This is former World Wrestling Federation superstar Duke the Dumpster Drosy, and you are listening to BBGWrestling.com. It's time to take out the trash. Another edition of Turn Triple on BBGWrestling.com. I am Pablo, and with me is the mother schmucker to my sister Angelica. <laughs> Angelica? Angelica? I've messed that up already. Angelica! Uh, it's uh, Tempest. Hello. Hello. How are you doing? Uh, mother schmuckily. <laughs> uh, shotgun episode went down well. Um, we went on for a while, but we did cover literally everything about Shotgun, so I think no one even needs to watch mm. any episodes of Shotgun. <laughs> so much happens on those as well. How can you not cover a lot of ground? <laughs> this is true, and I, um, I think in some cases our descriptions of what happened was probably better <laughs> than actually, than seeing, actually what seeing what happened. Yeah, so... Um, I'm kind of like Jesus, really. I'm just watching this stuff so that you don't have to. <laughs> uh, so, um, what's been going on in your week, wrestling-wise, then? Uh, wrestling-wise, I did eventually manage to see Hardcore Justice, and I had to use a snidey site <laughs> to watch it. I've, I've paid for it twice, and could watch it on neither <laughs> neither attempt. So You still have a love-hate relationship. I, I had to watch it on this night. <laughs> so I still love the TV and think that Impact's a fucking shambles. <laughs> still haven't been replied on any of my queries. Have you not? Like that. No, it's absolutely terrible. That's incredible. But very excited for uh, Rebellion this weekend. What, the UK pay-per-view from... <laughs> no, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, see Kenny Omega and Rich Swan and see uh, the Good Brothers and Finjuice. It's nice to see companies crossing over like that. Yes. There's not really been a lot of that in our lifetime, really. Think of the Super Clash style. It's like a Super Clash, really, isn't it? That is true. Um, I mean, it was it, even during like the, the sort of what I would consider dark days of WWE, I mean, not as dark as they've become, but like 2005, 2006, uh, when they had the ECW invasion with people who weren't like fully under contract, it felt fresh and fun. I mean, they found a way to... Make it not fun. Make it not fun. <laughs> Very, that's the thing, they didn't necessarily balls it up, they just made it not fun. Stopped it being fun. No. <laughs> <laughs> Took away anything that we liked remotely about ECW and just, you know, sanitised, homogenised, pasteurised. Speaking of sanitised and homogenised, you know, there's something that got me thinking the other day. It was that a lot of people have probably seen it who are listening to this, but that um, Steve Austin and Chris Jericho interview was quite interesting, speaking of crossovers. And I, I liked how it was kind of, oh, this idea of respect between the two companies. And of course, Stephanie McMahon had to come and trample all over that because they'd both been like, we're not competition for each other, really. You know what I mean? Or like, it's friendly. And then Stephanie McMahon was like, they are competition. Everything is competition that draws eyes. <laughs> Everything is competition for the WWE. And I just think that's a really silly viewpoint. Like, there's always this attempt to be more than wrestling. And like, by putting yourself in that pool... Like, okay, if everything else is competition by drawing eyes, why do most other things get higher ratings than wrestling? Like, be the best wrestling company. You are the biggest, most successful, most fiscally viable wrestling company in the world and ever. So, like, stop trying to be like, ah, but our competition is everything else that millions and millions of people watch more than us. Like, that just... Be wrestling. Being wrestling is good. When they were, just, when they were just being wrestling, though, they were actually getting high in numbers. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and then it's now, now they want to be out. It's like it's a 
we're a pop culture phenomenon. Like, bollocks to that. You can't call that a phenomenon. They no. st- don't try and compete they, like that. Well, the thing is, though, they were a pop culture phenomenon. I for like, being wrestling. <laughs> but the thing is, like, and I stand by that. And the thing is, first point is, they consider everything else to be competition, but they will gladly have a mainstream celebrity on their show that is promoting something else. I know you think, well, I thought you just said that was competition. Yeah. They don't make yourself competition. And WWE would also go on their shows to promote themselves as well, even though they consider them competition. So, it's like when they yeah. have footballers or basketballers. It's like, well, if you've seen them as competition, they'll be getting like 10 and 12 million viewers and you're getting like one and a half or two. Yeah. It's just like, well, they're not competition. You're getting them there to get a bit of the rub, which is fine. But just be wrestling. Like, loads of people love wrestling. <laughs> loads of celebrities love wrestling. That's why they get involved. Well, that, that's the other thing I was going to come to is that that um, once they were lucky enough to be a fad twice. I know. And it's like... You think the 80s one and both in our lifetime, really. Both in our lifetime. The 80s lifetimes. one when we little bands and then the Attitude Era's were hit puberty were the right age for... And the, for their trajectory, really. And the Attitude Era wasn't like a, a, a sort of, oh, do you remember the 80s? It was a brand new... Oh, it was so different, I. Yeah, and but the, and the thing is now that they have this opportunity, in my opinion, to draw in an audience of people who grew up during the Attitude Era who then went on to be famous because you see like baseball players and everyone doing crotch chops now because yeah, it was yeah, big during the Attitude Era and it's like you could footballers when they score a touchdown in America like American yeah. footballers and they do the throws well, I've seen football in the pre- not the Premier League sorry it was in the Championship mm-hmm. where the celebration was a lad RKO at the other one <laughs> like people like wrestling man and the, and the thing is you know they could capitalise on their audience instead of bringing in someone who has nothing to, I mean they do bring in wrestling fans who also I mean Bad Bunny perfect example he is huge I don't necessarily know I, I have no idea him. who he was till he appeared but he clearly loved wrestling mm. like good for him like if you give me if I was famous and you give me the opportunity that's like hell would I turn down going and being in a match at Wrestlemania yeah. it's a proper dream come true and I'm sure it made that Wrestlemania do well having his involvement probably more apparently than having the Latin American audience because he's apparently huge with that demographic I don't know because obviously I'm a white divvy from a council estate in Gateshead <laughs> so like I'd never heard of him it did make a funny comment for me when I was I watched the Royal Rumble this year and it was the first WWE event I've watched since AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura had an underwhelming rematch at WrestleMania a few years ago Yeah, and um, when Bad Bunny came out I had no idea who he was and I didn't see his nameplate or anything because we were like playing a drinking game or watching it and he came out and the commentary was like well I've heard of a flying squirrel but never a flying bunny and I thought I haven't either what the hell are you bringing that up for it's like Lee Marshall's on comment <laughs> it was but have you heard of a flying weasel like what <laughs> Thing is, like, because I'm working my way through. That's currently what I'm doing. I'm working my way through the Night Rose of 1997. I feel there's a worse way to spend your times. Um, and like watching nearly anything else. <laughs> <laughs> 1997 Night Rose is like. And you know what though? It's wonderful because around like May or June, they go through a, m- a one month of having one hour Night Rose, so you get through a full month. <laughs> like, one night. like bloody hell, I'm flying. <laughs> <laughs> but they're, ju- they're just so watchable, and I mean they've put up some. Um, I-, I have hope for the network because they've just put up uh, another month's worth of superstars from 1994 again they should be really digging through the archives in my opinion and putting on like <coughs> stu- WCW Saturday night well yeah <laughs> well the thing is I mean god you, it's hilarious though when I think I showed you this I, I, they posted something like new indie shows up on the network and I'm just like okay fine whatever I'm not going to judge anyone for wanting to watch it but you've got all this good stuff that like the I talked about last time the Houston wrestling shows with Paul Bosch 
in the WWE. Just like Curiosity Factor stuff. I know they probably won't get as many views, but they've also got King of the Ring 86 on tape somewhere in their archives because the only bit of footage they've ever shown after years of collectors thinking this doesn't exist is on the Harley Race uh, tribute video. And oh, yeah, 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 I've seen the clip you're talking about. Then. And there's photo shoots from that show as well, but like, and there's a great article online of someone who was at King of the Ring 86 at some stadium. And I mean, the crowd is, you know, um, it's not huge. Uh, it's all, it seems like it's all floor level, even though it's in a baseball stadium and stuff like that. And I can imagine. Floor why, level of a baseball stadium is massive, though. It doesn't cover up the entire floor. Oh, right, right. <laughs> like, sort of, it's trying to give them benefit of the doubt. No, no, it's like it, with baseball stadiums, it's always hard camera. There's aye, never aye. anything on the other side, sort of thing. Um, I've so, seen an NWA show like that. <laughs> so, yeah, no, they have all this stuff. And then underneath someone with a, I'm guessing it was a uh, a spam thing. But it might not be, though, because it was very specific. It was like, hey, Pablo, are you a huge fan of Tory Wilson? Then join my fan. I remember like, that. <laughs> what, what about my post wanting King of the Ring 86? Are you a true friend of Tory Wilson? <laughs> no, definitely not. I live in Lovely Hill. <laughs> Oh, I'm a so homosexual man in my mid-thirties in Lovely Hill, of course I'm not a true friend of Tory Wilson. Mm, well, there we are. So, um, <laughs> you've, pre- you've pretty much just pinned me down. You've, that's me one dimension. In your dreams. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one that's meant to do the entendres as a gay person. Right. Um, so, yeah, apart from that, uh, I did interview uh, Tom Fleming, not the Scottish actor who died ten years ago. Um, it would have been impressive, though. That would have been impressive. Uh, but equally as impressive, in my opinion, uh, the he was an artist for... He's worked for, um, he's worked for Marvel, he's worked for DC, <laughs> but one of his early jobs was working for the WWF from about 1991 to 1994 full-time. And then, Prime Pablo. Oh, and then, then 95 to 2000 part-time doing stuff. Mm. And we, we didn't even get into the Attitude Era stuff. And I, I want to. We're going to do a part two eventually. That's but uh, it was it was so much fun. Um, I was geeking out about... Uh, some of the stories he tells me, which I don't think he's ever told, because who would ask this type of stuff? And he hasn't done many podcasts about wrestling specifically. Um, they were just mind-blown. And if you're a fan of that time period, uh, you know, for example, you'll find out the first piece of merchandise that he ever made for WWF. Uh, and just like I say, some really cool stories about some of the props that you will have definitely seen on WWF television that were involved in angles, involved in character creation, stuff like that. So yeah, that will be coming this Thursday um, as I continue to pull my finger out and actually get some stuff done. So yeah, that that's been my sort of wrestling uh, activities recently so yes what we're talking about today today we are talking about colossal jostle 96 <laughs> <laughs> it's about time <laughs> uh, wrestlemania 12 we'll be talking about today and i have uh, worked my way through some of the roars in the run-up to this much to my chagrin <laughs> i have to say that i saw this wrestlemania years ago i don't know if i saw it on sky sports or on a tape but i was a kid anyway and um if I had been watching those Raws, there's no way I would have watched this pay-per-view. <laughs> and in actual fact, this is possibly my favourite WrestleMania. It's interesting. I'll be interested to know why as we go through the Mania as well. I mean, you, you were going to start at uh, the first... <laughs> you were going to start on the first Raw of 96, which happened to be the Raw Bowl. Jesus fucking Christ, right? 
I don't know if that was meant to be aimed at football fans to make them watch wrestling or wrestling fans to make them watch football. But after I watched it, I thought I never want to see either sport ever again. <laughs> what that is one of the dumbest. One day, then I actually inspired me that we should do a show one day on the dumbest team matches you've ever seen. And if we do a nineties edition, my God, the Raw Bowl will be in that. I have like a texture in now. It's just like Jesus Christ. Oh, you how were give, you how were... far can I skip forwards before it's relevant? You were giving me like a blow by blow commentary of just like what is this better like... than the commentary that you were getting? <laughs> yeah, it was all like really terrible football references and puns and stuff like Fucking that. And timeouts and that it made no timeouts. sense. Didn't Earl Hebner with like the little hanky hanging out of his pocket and all that? Didn't for, he? For throwing like the what the it's not a touch judge because that's rugby, but yeah. like the equivalent. He, remi- he reminded me of uh, the referee from Gladiators with his little cap and his whistle. Oh, my first whistle. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly who he reminded me of. But, uh, so, yeah, no, so I, so I suggested that you start from the Raw after the Royal Rumble when Raw, the, an incredible angle with Vader and everything. Can Which I went that. to do and then I saw there was another pay-per-view between the Royal Rumble and <laughs> WrestleMania and I went, nope. You and didn't... I skipped to the Raw after whatever. <gasps> the Did you not watch, you must have watched the Vader stuff. No, I didn't. Did you not? I didn't oh. know it was going to happen then. No. I just knew that all the other Raws I'd seen were shit and I had no urge to go and watch another one but turns out I might have missed the good one which is pretty annoying. Well, that uh, that Raw, it, the, oh, the auditorium, it's the one where Sean loses his smile it's the really noticeable arena with I the thought balconies. he lost his smile in 97 yeah no no they, like, but they filmed a lot of roars there um, ah, right. Like, okay. Sorry, of, um, I'm the same venue, but it's the same venue. So it's the one with the white balcony, and it's like an auditorium, and it's like really nice. But it also holds a smaller crowd mm. because that's what the kind of thing that they were doing. But it, again, it looked interesting. Now you get better vibe then. Though. Wish I could remember the name of it, but I can't. Um, <laughs> but like they, they did like four weeks of TV tapings there, and they really gave the crowd their money's worth. You know, in terms of you got big names all throughout that show, like Diesel, Michaels, Brett. Uh, Undertaker throughout that show if you watch across the four weeks. So you're lucky if you had the ticket then, like you've oh, seen all four of them too. Absolutely. And and the Vader angle as well. Uh so that's when you know Vader Rumble ninety six makes his debut and uh causes havoc. He gets eliminated, isn't happy about it, starts beating everyone up, and then Monsoon's like, get out now or you'll you know, face the consequences and then the next night on Roy beats up Sovia Vega, pins him, keeps beating him up, and then Monsoon comes out again and they're about to kick off in he hits Vader on the back to stop him or to get his attention mm-hmm. and like Jim Cornette's trying to hold Vader back Vader and takes it as a challenge he takes it as a challenge and then Vader squashes him in the turnbuckle and then does the Vader bomb on him and it's brilliant because Monsoon bumped for no one like at 62 Aye. years old do you know what I mean that was I was going to say other than like stuff from before I was born I don't think I've ever seen Gorilla Monsoon take a bump for me just as good as the first runner on Vince like That's really cool. Those he probably sells it better than that as well. <laughs> slides across him and lies on his back, twitching and foaming at the mouth. <laughs> um, and that made the first cover of the very first Raw magazine. I think um, Vince looked at that bag, you know, with the snake and the earthquake squash, and he was like, "That's how to sell." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, you were saying. Oh no, no. So like, Vader basically gets suspended for a month, uh, but he's out to get his shoulder rehabbed. Mm-hmm. Um, and then his ass kicked in the shower by um, a one-armed, tall-armed dwarf. Only gorilla knew. <laughs> well, I bet you there were probably people thinking back then that Monsoon was going to face Vader at WrestleMania. You know what I mean? Because it, 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 it wouldn't have been. It Can you imagine? It would have been different. I mean, it might have been better than what he actually did at WrestleMania because ended up being a six-man. Ended up being Vader against Yoko because in this time Yoko turned he, uh, face. Sorry. 
And um, <laughs> something meant happened with that as well because he's still got all the sumo gear on and they're still referring to him as a sumo. And he cuts a promo <laughs> on the big screen and he's just a full on angry Samoan, just yelling. He just talks exactly like Rikishi. And I was like, Aye, what part of Japan's he from? <laughs> <laughs> That's the point. I don't know if they kept announcing him from Japan after he turned face because that would be hilarious if they did because <laughs> he was very Samoan he was very Samoan um, so yeah no so I've, I've, I have a feeling that because of Vader's injured shoulder and Yoko's weight at that point he does it, look massive like it was going to be a one on one match at Mania but it gets turned into a six man which we'll get into in a bit so yeah sorry you can no no it's quite alright there was an interesting thing I wanted to say about the venue itself actually it kind of ties in with why you were talking about the tapings this is obviously very famously filmed at the Anaheim Pond, which has felt that old capitalism curse that is American sports where it's been renamed again. Oh, right. It's like the Honda Arena or something stupid like that now. I mean, yeah. any of our British listeners will obviously probably be foaming at American sports after all the <laughs> Super League business recently, but I, this felt to them. But there's, there's a really interesting thing, or at least interesting to me, about the Anaheim Pond, is that the Anaheim Ducks who were playing there, were actually set up by Disney because of the Mighty Ducks. That's interesting. They, they literally bought this the ability to pay this franchise, sorry, to make this franchise, because American sport is so different to ours. But like, they had to pay $25 million to the NHL to let this Disney team play in the <laughs> NHL. And they actually had to pay $25 million to the LA Kings to share the market. Like, wow. That shows how different sport is. Can you imagine, I want to make a new team, I'd better pay so many million millions to the team because we're going to share the market like no you have fans fan, <laughs> fans support your team I, I found that very interesting that is very interesting um, so you watching the roles leading up to Wrestlemania did anything particularly stand out for you no nothing at all <laughs> other, <laughs> other, other than I won't watch them again. no the billionaire, te- billionaire Ted oh well I was trying to get to that as part oh, of okay. the free, free for all those, those billionaire Ted skits <laughs> are some of the worst things I've ever seen in wrestling. Like, I've, You know, people always say, if you're going to do something in wrestling, know what it's for and what you're putting over and if it's going to make money. Like, what was that shit? So bad. I, I actually saw that match at the free-for-all. Did you see this? I, I find it quite funny how often they'll, like, play victim or try and take the moral, moral high ground <laughs> when <laughs> the Hulkster has a heart attack during this match and then... Uh, billionaire ted also has a heart attack and then they're like oh well he must have died and vince is like i don't care he'll be going to hell <laughs> and then like jr's sorry jerry lawler's like yep yeah, well i don't care if he's in hell he deserves to be and i'm like welcome to wrestlemania lads this is this is the last thing on the pre-show to make you buy wrestlemania again like there is not a fucking chance in hell if i was happy what is this small time embarrassing trash yeah like, there are when you think how good some of the matches are on this card and how great some of the talent is, they are done a fucking disservice with this crap. And Every episode of Raw ended in some excruciating skit Vince on that the, wasn't funny. Yeah, Vince on the defensive. Um, it, it can work sometimes, but it did not. Definitely not work this time. Uh, I mean, DX showing up at the scope or whatever. No, but that was funny. Yeah. It has to actually be funny. These were just random, spiteful comments that made them look stupid and small time. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. Um, You know, 
I know it's from this time that I love, but I kind of watch it and go, uh, right. Oh, okay. There's plenty I find embarrassing <laughs> from the WCW periods I love. It would be weird if you found it all good, you know mm. what I mean? And this is like pre-NWO as well. It wasn't like Nitro was a huge... I mean, it was lucky, like, if, yeah. if this was during the NWO, it would be like, <laughs> and the viewers for Raw, seven. Million? No. Seven. <laughs> it is that bad. So yeah, no, nothing else stood out on the rolls for you? Not really. Like the, You described it best when you told me that they are like infomercials. They are like, like infomercials, and if you just watch WrestleMania, they catch you up very nicely on the storylines. I mean, that is one thing WWF does better than anyone, the is their, their video packages. They did have some good video packages in the run-up, and like the little bits where they were interviewing Brett and Sean were quite good, but they were all repeated on the free-for-all. And, and we'll we'll get into that as well. So the, the free-for-all um, starts with talk. What I love about the start of this WrestleMania is that it's really sunny outside. Like on the free-for-all, it just adds to mm. the feel of it being in California. In Cali- and just like, you know, because the year before it was in Hartford, Connecticut, which, uh, you know, no one cares about. Like, <laughs> no, no one cared. Uh, and, 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 you know, it's always like Northeast and stuff like that. And I always feel that the sort of West Coast... Heaven West is good. West, right? West Coast manias are just really fun, I find. and just a, a, It's good for tourists to walk up and that as well, because the amount of people, like California is such a hub for visitors, isn't it? Yeah. And talk- it's like when they do them in Florida. That is true, and and Todd uh, on the on the countdown, he stood in front of like an arch of TV screens, showing yeah. the like it just looked visually. the visual was really pleasing. Yeah, um, so uh, and sunny as well, pleasing visuals aside, <laughs> Sunny and Todd, I really realised like when I'm watching Todd works as a real hype man. Like I love those two as talkers. Like I really think the WWF product goes downhill without Todd Pettengill. He's he's like fun. And he always seems like he's having a laugh. You can tell he was a shock jock because it's genuinely quite fun. It, it, it's often not cool, but it's like a dorky cool. Like he's so dorky, he's kind of lovable. Yeah. Like there is something really endearing about Todd Pettengill compared to like, I, I can hardly tell one talking head from another in WWE now because they're all like Vince McManigans and that seemed to happen like after Todd Pettengill. It's it, like, because my timeline generally, you know, even though I'm, I still enjoy the Attitude Era, but I'll watch it for what it is. You know, I don't like go back and watch it a lot. My timeline kind of ends at WrestleMania 14. He left at SummerSlam 97. And it's just... It, even the, the feel of the WWF generally actually changed a lot when he wasn't there in terms of, like, it's... it's His voiceover is a class on the little black and white videos and that. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the backstage interviews and stuff like that, he knew how to uh, challenge a wrestler when interviewing them. Mm-hmm. Uh, he knew just... Little things. I mean, as a, as a you know, I mean, Michael Cole worked in the news as well, so you would think this seemed to be that the start. That's from being a boring talking head, though, because a lot of news they like have to be because you're just a purveyor of news. You're not like a character. You know well, what I mean? Todd had the facial reactions as well. Yeah, um, definitely. And he knew... some of them are like Pee Wee Herman style, like <laughs> proper OTT, but it works because it's wrestling. Like wrestling should be a bit carny. Yeah, no, I agree. And it would have been interesting to see how you would have fit in in the Attitude Era, but, uh, yeah. I think he could have made it work. Mm-hmm. If and Michael Hayes can dress up as an insurance salesman and sell his <laughs> terrible denim jackets, I don't see why Todd <laughs> Pettengill couldn't fit in into the Attitude Era. Um, Doc is uh, missing from this countdown, isn't he? Yeah, I is, think so. Is even on no, the no, menu? there's still an advert at the end where there's, like, he shows you one of those Ming and denim jackets and there's someone else's. There is a really quick bit where... 
But is he live in the arena, though? No, no, he's in your bedroom again. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, that's weird, though, because it, it made me think that, you know, Mr. Perfect does some backstage interviews, but Jim Ross, I don't think, is there. In... Mr. Perfect only does one as well. He only does no, one. No, no sight of JR on that. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Like, where are these people? But, yeah. Um, so the countdown. Um, the the main thing about this is the tag tournament finals. The tag tournament was held exclusively on superstars. Um, I didn't realise that was the end of a tournament. I just knew there was a title match. Yeah, uh, Billy injured himself. Billy Gunn injured himself, so the the titles were vacant. And uh, I mean, th- this is a good uh, putting a tag title match not on Mania and on the countdown show was a bit of a. I don't think it necessarily made the tag belts less important. I think it. I think it does mind. I particularly love tag wrestling. It's, it's one of the reasons WWE and WWF were never really my company. It's because I love tag wrestling. I but, always feel like it's an afterthought. But there. the thing is with this, it technically had no build-up. In, you know what I mean? There was no storyline going into it, and there was time. no room for it to... There wasn't a lot for the multi-man tag either, mind. No, that well, again, though, the Yoko Vader build or the Yoko Cornette build-up was the storyline. But the rest of them were just kind of added in there as I mean, and there were big names and attractions and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Whereas were. like the Body Donners and the Godwins, mm. you know, I love them, but like you know, the I don't think and that's Tex Slazinger. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is as well though, this match, what that did was start the tag team storylines for '96, and Sunny was dead yeah, centre. It was of a good match, and she got good heat when she was walking out with the belt up in the air at the end, and I I enjoyed that match. And without Sunny, the tag division in 96 would have been bland it would have been as bland as it was the year before she was the main she yeah, was the prize in the tag title you know the tag team thing it wasn't the tag titles well, having Sonny manage you having Sonny manage you and uh, or in Phineas's case he fell in love with her and get distracted by her and all that kind of stuff and it was it, I mean it's WWF 96 don't get us wrong but like that was actually them trying with the tag belts and having a division of teams Actually, yeah, go yeah, at it, you know. that, that is fair. Ninety six um, and ninety seven is one of their better times for tag teams. Some of the teams, especially ninety seven, are a bit shit. But at least there's a lot of them and the stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, um, so the uh, the tag tournament fight, which another storyline comes out of that, which we'll get into later. But uh, yeah, it was for me. It was a fast paced match and a good way to actually get those last minute buys for the pay per view. Because you have mm-hmm. Sunny coming out, like looking like she does. You have, mm-hmm. you know, Candido She's talking like she does as well. Her talk, she when Todd was like hyping the crowd, and then she was she pissing the crowd off. Yeah, it's the perfect, <laughs> perfect combination. Um, I always say Sunny is an overrated talker. Sorry, I take that totally back. Sunny is an underrated talker because people overstate how good looking she was. Yeah, and I don't think they realise. Like, one of the reasons Sonny was so good, because they've had loads of beautiful women afterwards, but Sonny was a spectacular character. Even if she was minging, she would have still been fantastic. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, she was just a talent. So talented, yeah. So, um, yeah, it was... I enjoyed it. Like, it was it was short, but it was fast-moving. And they did that class double team. Which... Oh, there's, like, one where he's, like, bulldogging one of them and he, like, leg drops the other one or some of the, bo- the body donors have some double teams where oh, like yes. one guy does a move on both people. Stuff yeah. like that. I really love stuff like that. I can't remember the exact move. I know he's bulldogging one person. I think he, like, leg drops the other who's on the floor or something. Yeah, it might like. be off the second rope or something. Like that. Something like that. Yeah, yeah but it was a really cool little spot. Yeah, so, um, and those were the two, I guess, things on the countdown to really, of note, the, 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 geriatric match and the, yeah. <laughs> and, the um, and the tag title change which is is only and Jose Lothario's amazing shell suit 
<laughs> okay, fair. He's proper football manager. From that the was 90s so good, wasn't it? <laughs> um, so the, the promo package, because again, they show those on the the menu as well, don't they? Um, yes, they, they do. show all the trainers stuff. So we'll get into them as the, as it comes as well. But uh, yeah, no, uh, I think they did a very good job. One thing I love about this mania is for me with photographs of the event it's one of the best looking manias I, want, I like, wanted to say something about that as well like the printed canvas that they didn't do that often no like, I love the spotlight you know like when Bret Hart gets the heart spotlights and stuff they were doing that on Raw as well but in a place like the pond yeah. it looks really good it, it, it's just the pond isn't that huge of an arena but for me the photographs of it makes they, they know how to produce anything a hockey like, arena is better than a football stadium and that as well because you get that enclosed feeling and there's more atmosphere where it's a bit smaller yeah um, and the and I know this sounds crazy but it feels like the ring was mic'd up differently because the, the sounds of the camera were like big booms yeah they were yeah. huge like, and again that just adds the to the dome shape of it. the pond will massively add to that as well yeah you know you get the double up as you get how loud it booms but also I've always felt like if you slam someone right on the logo in the middle on the canvas it's like should be worth double <laughs> <laughs> so you just see someone like it slammed in the middle of the Wrestlemania logo and it's like boom when they land and it's just class I always wonder why that was the only mania or probably I think the only pay-per-view they ever did where they, they printed the canvas whereas WCW would do it every, all the time I know like, it's something time. I just always grew up with like, even before Nitro printed canvases and, and the, the only thing I can think of is because they knew they were going to cut it up and sell it on the plaques which I have one of yeah um, that would make sense you know because uh, as a collector I was looking for one for a while for a reasonable price but I was also looking for one that actually had the dark blue logo bit in it because right. all you could get was like just the plain canvas which could be out which could be out so uh, yeah no, I, uh, that would be a good reason behind doing that I guess but uh, yeah no, I'd and I enjoy the free for all because I mean it was good for the warrior hype package as well, which mm. you don't see on the event. I don't With the think. cool music. Yeah. No, you don't because you get on the event. King's selling like he's fat now. He's bald. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's he's just like making all these random comments because they act like the warriors disappeared for like four years or something like that. And it was brilliant though because they. Le- there was an air of mystery because you didn't know what he was going to look like unless you were like a smart guy I guess but, oh, like, yeah, yeah. Well, um, nine year old me had no idea like oh huh? uh, well we'll get into that uh, as the as the time comes but yes so um that multi-man tag that we we've spoke about at the start that was a uh, Vader bulldog and Owen Hart versus Yoko Zuna Ahmed Johnson and Jake the snake which is, <laughs> sounds very strange when you read that team up but at, I thought it looked a strange pairing to see the man they call Vader with the man who hates for hire, Jim Cornette. Like, <laughs> I associate Vader with Holly Race, and I love that pairing, but actually, Cornette and Vader is a pretty cool pairing as well. It works. I mean, there's... Um, it just looks weird. It does look weird, and some people... It's in WWF as well. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, though, Vader didn't need someone talking for him, but maybe he needed a actual real manager. <laughs> Like on the road to That's his possible. hotels and stuff like that. Well, that so, I mean, he's a good talker, but he's not a cornet talker. No, that is true. That is true. And um, I mean, I was watching. Uh, it was Scott Hall on YouTube. Him watching some of his old matches, and he watches his last pay per view match, which is a month later, because he got suspended. Or uh, sorry, storyline wise, he got suspended. Uh, but in real life, he didn't want to face Goldust because you know for reasons. You were stroking him in that time. But for reasons, yeah. So. Um, he says that he never liked the pairing of Cornet and Vader because Cornet's like a cartoon character and Vader's... And Vader's a beast. Vader's I, I a beast. can see that. That makes sense. But, but uh, Harley Race is a better fit. 
Because Harley's hard and no bullshit, whereas Cornetto is just like a bit whiny. But a heat magnet, it was always like you guaranteed. At least if he can hide behind Vader, you'd be like, I really want to kill Jim Cornette and I could kick the shit out of him. Probably couldn't chin Vader. <laughs> you know what I Harley mean? Harley Race could chin Vader, as, <laughs> as he showed at a convention a few years ago when Harley was in a wheelchair and he knocked Vader to the floor with one punch over an argument over something. Uh-huh. So, what like, a belt, <laughs> so um, yeah, no, like the. It's one of those things. Like, put someone with Bobby Heenan, they're going to get heat. Put someone with Cornette, they're going to get heat. Aye, that's true. I, I thought there was a missed opportunity with Owen and Bulldog. Um, seeing them together was great. I, I loved how much of a lad Bulldog looked. He looked like he was proper loving his life there. It's, it's hard to think there's not too much before his career goes downhill, but he was looking great there. Yeah. I wanted them to either make one more British or one more Canadian so that we could have like Davy the Newfoundland dog <laughs> or we could have had like Owen Hearts of Midlothian because you know how they get the like Commonwealth Foundation in 97 where it's like the Canadian and also some British people <laughs> I wanted them to really start then sow the seed <laughs> oh man so generally um I think the match is alright, you know what I mean? Like, ah, just I of, enjoyed it. There's a lot of star power. There's a lot of star power. So you, the, all the big moves are in there and everyone's over and Ahmed does a mental dive. and just that, that, <laughs> that dive, I actually made a note about that. Ahmed's tackle, I do mean that as in a shoulder block, not a <laughs> But he looked like if you shot Monty Brown out of a circus cannon, like that really could kill someone. <laughs> <laughs> I love it though, because like, the kind of... Um, they know what they want to do, but Yoko's like in the way, and then Ahmed's trying to run, but he's like, get out of the way, and then he runs at the rope, and then Yoko kind of does that, as if, <laughs> as if like, touches Ahmed's back, as if Yoko's launched him over the rope. <laughs> it's just the slightest stroke, isn't it? And he absolutely comes out the cannon. What What was the deal with Yoko's Big Daddy V sex pyjamas? He's like a proper super duper heavyweight, and then he comes out in like silky sex pajamas. Like, this is not a look I expected. Yeah, no, like I, I like the idea of like maybe pimp Yoko, but like we didn't go with that sadly. But uh, it was also Mr. Fuji's last appearance on t- TV. He comes out with an American flag, um, you know, just <laughs> compound the weirdness. He comes out with an American flag, but I'm almost certain that his robe still has the Japanese flag on I, the back. I so did. It's just I did. <laughs> And they didn't even call the randomly put together team of Jake and Ahmed Snake Johnson either. <laughs> totally missed the chance to be like Python Penis or Cobra Cock. Like, I was very disappointed with that. So, um, yeah, no, the, the stipulation of the match was if uh, Yoko won, he got five minutes in the ring with Cornette. Um, you got a fucking heart attack. Yoko. <laughs> Yoko. Cornette with fear, perhaps. Imagine getting hit with the Banzai splash when he's that. All you see is a sex pants eclipse. <laughs> no more. Yo- Cornette has said he's had Yoko do the Banzai on him and he said it was like two big cushions. Like, didn't feel it. Which is unbelievable. But um, Yes, it's almost like I don't believe it. Unless his head went straight between the cheeks and up his arse. I can't imagine that being anything more than excruciating. Oh, but yeah, no, Yoko's, uh, Yoko's Last Mania and stuff like that. And um, I don't know, the, the, I think they were right. I mean, you've got to have Vader win. Yes, you do. I really like the finish, actually, as well. Cause the thing I liked about it was they kind of like do the ref distraction. But then Jake catches out Cornette and you think, ha, the ref distraction didn't pay off. And then Vader just waffles him and Vader bombs him. It's like, ha, like double, double ref distraction. You're screwed anyway. And the thing is, if you're going to pin someone on the opposing team, 
pin Jake. You know what I mean? Like you can't pin Ahmed because he's getting pushed. Aye. You can't pin Yoko because you're going into a feud. So Jake's so pin Jake. That was, but Jake didn't look weak because out of nowhere he got punched in the face and then Vader bombed. Like if you if you lose a fight in real life because someone sucker punches you and you're not even looking, you don't think that that person is soft. Just because no. they've been blindsided, you know what I mean. So. Well, it's like the um, oh God, I'm terrible with names, but I watched the uh, uh, I watched the dynamite from two weeks ago with that British boxer dude, and he knocks him out with a punch, and they have to stop the match. Like I like that. I I, I was, I, so I many people whinged about it online, and you could just tell they've never been in a real fight. Oh. I'm like, let Anthony Anthony Agogo, Anthony Agogo. let him full on punch you in the kidneys and tell me that you're going to continue people are like oh it's not realistic like honestly man it's how they should have done it, how they did do Brock when he first came in he pinned Cena in about five minutes after killing him uh, I've seen just that like, that, that was, was on great. the pub when I was doing the uh, just because it was a short main, <laughs> just, just because it was a short main event doesn't mean that it isn't good you, if you can build someone up or you if you're, they're, they're over enough like if you want someone to win it doesn't matter if the match is shite you know, Goldberg's you first just... appearance when he came back against Brock Lesnar. Yeah, like oh. you th- so short, but you know, like Gold, um, Brock's being cocky. Goldberg spears him. Brock's like, "Whoa, wait, what just happened?" Then he gets hit with another spear and jackhammered, and it's over. Like you told a massive story in about fifty seconds. Well, we'll find out. Guy. We'll find out later in the night how over he could be in a short match. So oh, like... <laughs> I, I think for the next match because it is split into three segments and it's probably one of the first movie matches I've ever seen. Oh, there were stories. So yeah. we, we might as well talk. Roddy Piper, Goldust, all of the segments together because mm-hmm. otherwise it'll just get messy. But yeah, I mean. When you said about the roars and the lead up to it, I tell a lie, where a lot of it's pretty bland and there's not a lot going on, Gold Dust is going balls to the wall with the riskier stuff with the Roddy with Piper. With the bagpipes in his mouth. When, when, when he's in the Mock Piper's pit and they're killed and he's noshing off the bagpipes. <laughs> that, that genuinely was risky and he really lovingly goes for that pipe. I'm in two minds about this storyline. So, on the one hand, I never like gay panic angles. like when early TNA did that Rainbow Express shit, I just hated it. Mm-hmm. But the thing I felt with this one is, I know the story they were trying to tell was like, Goldust's a creepy homo, but like, actually, if you think about it, he's molesting people who don't want to be touched. Mm-hmm. So in reality, the story works. He's, a, he's just a pervert. And, and there's another level of depth here as well, though, that Goldust is Hollywood and so is Piper. Oh, definitely. And yeah. it, and it's the it makes more back. sense than Razor Ramon, really. Yeah, well, that it was going to be a Miami brawl, and I think we were going to film it on location. Ah, uh, okay, then, that it, then been it turned brilliant. to yeah, yeah, Hollywood backlot brawl, which I think was much better. But um, before you get into it, there's a bit of backstory on this that uh, Piper tells. Um, actually, Goldust tells in his book. Um, this was filmed about two weeks before, and it was uh, it was raining. So, which is why Piper... Is that why he's got the hose? That's why he's wet, got the hose. Wet the alley. Because yeah. it, it's a pure scorching day when mean, happens. Well, that's the thing. It would have been lovely if it was raining that day as well. <laughs> so when they do the return in the car and everything. But uh, yeah, no, the, um, they filmed it two weeks before. Piper legit breaks his hand on Golda's face. Um, that's that's the blood. It's not on Golda's face. It's out of Piper's hand. The blood looks <laughs> class when he when he turns the handle on the on the truck and yeah. he leaves the big oh, the bloody handprint. Hand that is class. Um. So yeah. No. Yeah. I mean, the, the brought the glass as well, which I'm sure didn't help. And I mean, there's just one close up shot of Piper smacking Goldust, and you can't fake it. Like, Aye. You know, it's you, like a Terry Funk punch. Why does that look so good? Because he's punching you in the face. That to me is what I like about if you'd consider that a movie match 
mm. because it, I don't know how you can not consider it a movie match though, because like they go on a they go on a chase down the freeway no, 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 and it I, gets I agree, but the, it wasn't a thing. It wasn't a genre, you know. Because is the the fighting on the truck on uncensored? Is that a movie match? Yes. Well, they got so, okay, right? But it's that, dumb. It's a, it's like a scene from a film. Like, yeah. So I mean, but the, the term's only been coined in the last year or two, but yeah. they've existed for ages. But they 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 have shot them more like movies recently with scenes and stuff. This was one take Aye. with a couple of cameras, which that's what I'd prefer with that kind of thing. If it was mm-hmm. me, um, but can, there, in fairness, there's been a fair few of the modern movie matches are kind of like that as well, though. Okay, well that's the thing. Okay, I haven't seen enough of them, definitely. Mm. Um, but um, this one, I mean, it's just amazing because Goldus is. I mean, he gets braid for like, but like it's not that long. The first bit, it's only about five a, or six minutes. Like, it, I think. Is it even as long as that? I, right. What I felt when I was watching this was I thought I remembered the fight before the car chase being longer, mm-hmm. and it is proper blink and you miss it. But it makes it more like a real fight. And it, and it reminds me of the they live uh, fight. Except that lasts for ages <laughs> and ages and ages. <laughs> so Piper actually takes a bump on the car, which is unbelievable since he's just had his hit done. <laughs> it looks, it ducks looks violent and ugly though. It's yeah, good, isn't it? Goldus tries to escape, and the only way he can escape is with a low blow. And I mean, Piper as well makes a good point when I think it's on the spring break uh, ninety seven. I could be wrong. Um, when he comes to the ring and uh, in WCW and he says, you know, WWF, I was at WrestleMania last year and they say, on Raw now, we don't have wrestlers with hip replacements. It's like, I had my hip replacement a year before I was on Mania. So, like, so that's bullshit <laughs> for a start. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Do you know what, speaking of funny things Piper says, there's a Raw in the run-up where they're just, they're all freaking out. They're like, gold dust likes willies. And they're all like, proper freaking out about it. And like, Piper rings Vince to reassure him. And he's like, oh, don't you worry, Vince. I got experience with the mind games of the gays because I beat Adrian Adonis. And I was just like, <laughs> so because you beat Adrian Adonis, you know the secret to beating the gays. Oh, that's, that's amazing. Uh, Adrian Adonis on an episode of... Um and we'll not go completely off topic. So he says he doesn't want the show at the last two hours, and he's like, speaking of Adrian Adonis. No, I know, I know. <laughs> no, he actually, on an episode of TNT, came out as gay. He said, I am gay. And Vince was like, oh, well, okay, horses for courses. And just moved <laughs> So like, you know... That's There's that. a lot of luminaries here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yeah, no, um... So they, they're getting the, the white uh, Humvee. Yeah, um, I really don't like that part. It's, as it's, a kid, I didn't know about OJ or anything like that. Or no, chase, I, I remember I've, as a kid just thinking it was stupid. I've I thought the chase was literally filmed for Mania. You know what I mean? And the police, I'm just like that's incredible how they've done all that. Like, I just remember thinking like, <laughs> just what? As a kid, just suddenly like, I've never seen a car chase in wrestling before. But that didn't mean like, wow, I've never seen a car chase in wrestling. I was like. Why is there helicopters out already? Yeah. Like even I was that annoying kid who always asked loads of questions, but then I was like, I what like why are helicopters out just in case there happens to be a car chase? I grew up on a healthy diet of black scorpion uh, <laughs> um, spaceship landings. You know what I mean? So I didn't question it. But um. I don't like them using the OJ thing, which didn't matter to us as a kid because I didn't know about it. But like watching it as an adult. Like, by and large, outside of super sexual gold dust, mm. it's still a pretty family-friendly presentation. So I don't really like allusions to murderers and lassie bashers for the sake of pop culture relevance. Bruce Pritchard says on a, on a podcast that the really, really original idea was either to have gold dust against OJ or Piper against OJ. And obviously that didn't uh, go I mean, on. that is even stupider. Like, 
Uh, I know for a fact I wouldn't have watched it. You know, you know on a Raw, right after, or uh, I think it was either right before the case or right after the case, they did a poll on Raw, do you think OJ is guilty or not? Jesus it's just like, why have you done that? You know what I mean? It's just so inappropriate. It's inappropriate. But uh, yeah, no, the, the chase is, uh, it's something else. But the thing is... The though, cars arriving is cool though, at the end of the chase, as stupid as the chase is. You know when they fucking scream in, like the, especially gold dust. He looks like he's going to kill someone in that garage when he pulls in. Well, Piper crashes into Goldust's car as well. Yeah. <laughs> but that's good. Yeah. It makes it look messy and ugly and violent, like we were saying before. It, Because I like that there's like a running thread through this mania. And I think the... Because the, the Austin match against Sovio should not kill a crowd, but it does. And yeah, like, yeah. And, and the, the thing is, this having the chase go through this match, it like it's a shame that Austin and Sovio have to... like. That should have been the strap match. You know what I mean? The one that they had two months later, which was like a classic. This kind of... It came from... Um, they were Razor was gone. Razor and Sovio were the tag team. So Sovio needed a partner. And it was just like, right, we're going to give you Austin. And it was just like, why have you done that? Why? Like, obviously Austin <laughs> yeah. turns on him. Mm-hmm. And then that was your two-week build-up for Mania for this match. So it was just kind of... It had nothing for it. And I think it was a, it's a shame because it really kills the mania. <laughs> it does, and it, there's nothing wrong with either performer either. Although we'll come to that in a minute because it was the next thing after you. Sorry, I must apologise. My cat's about to curl one out, um, <laughs> which is a, quite a metaphor for this match. <laughs> this match, I, so this is a really weird thing. Like the crowd are very behind Piper. No pun intended for talking about right. this match, and they react big to like all the scandalous stuff Goldust does. You know, like when he bites him, or like when he wipes his sweat and he tastes it. The crowd are shocked because that is appalling. Yeah. But I don't understand why Piper's response is, "I'm so mad that you stroke my chest inappropriately that I'm going to grab you by the dick." <laughs> and then he just like grabs Goldust by the dick, and Goldust runs on, and he strips him down to his underpants, and I'm like. Which one's meant to be gay? <laughs> like, I, what's I, going on? I guess it's a mind games thing. I don't know. I know how to beat the gays. Grab them by the dick and take off all their clothes. Roddy, you have been sold a bill of goods here, mate. <laughs> but, um, the crowd are really... I mean, because obviously... We're, uh, I shouldn't have talked about Austin yet, because we'll get... We'll come to that next time. We'll get there. Golda says uh, that he did have to go to like the equivalent of Ann Summers and get like the, the fat girl lingerie. <laughs> it is lasses. Because it's the only thing that he could fit in. It's funny, you know, with Gold Dust, like my little laddie, he is a big AW and Impact fan now. He's six year old. <laughs> I'd give him a shout out, but there's no way he's listening to this. <laughs> but um he knows Dustin from watching like older TNA stuff when he's still a natural. He knows him from now on AEW. And he's seen bits and pieces, like when Bob's been around and me and Bob have been watching old WCW stuff and he yeah. sees him as the natural. And he was just like, Papa, <laughs> what's that <laughs> about the bright, cool person? And I was, I was like, that's Dustin Rhodes. And he went, shut up. I was like, that's Dustin Rhodes. He went, why is the cowboy gold and wearing girls' clothes? That's just <laughs> stupid. And I was like, see, if only you were in a booking committee, Mason, from the mouths of babes. <laughs> <laughs> it was a very confusing WWF ending. Uh, it wasn't really a punchline. It was just, it's just an ending. It's just, just an ending. <laughs> I can't actually remember who wins or how that match ends. The last thing I remember is Piper grabbing his dick and stripping him off. And I was just thinking, where is this gone? Well, there was never any... I, I think, if you're watching it at the time... I've, Probably everyone thought it was only going to take part place in, in the in the back lot, mm-hmm. and that you know that was it. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, especially if you... It basically be a pre-taped literal street fight. Pretty much. And then, you know, nothing else. Because, you know, you've got a one-hour Ironman match to come as well. So that's Aye. a lot of the pay-per-view. Um, but the pay-per-view generally really needed the second part of that fight, I think. like If you take out the car chase, it's still actually pretty entertaining. Yeah. The car chase <clears throat> ta- takes a lot of momentum out of the match. I can't believe I've even had to say that phrase. A I'm... car chase takes momentum <laughs> out of a match. And, and the thing is, though, the crowd in the, the arena don't see that as well. So they're just still hot when it comes out. Whereas it's probably a good move, because if you'd seen that, you'd just think, what the hell is that? Yeah, and If and... I was sitting in an arena and they showed me that on a big screen, I would shit all over that match when it started. <laughs> um, I think uh, Piper's belt from that match is available on eBay, because his son was selling some stuff I cannot afford the belt. Otherwise, I'd have it. Um, but uh, Goldus, for a lot of years, said that that was his favourite match. Um, I have a feeling maybe the Cody match or the Shield match is up there with it now. They are both Cody um, matches. And I'll, I'll still cry watching that Shield match because it does. It's when he hits, <laughs> hits that bionic elbow, man. I jumped up with this seat. Have you heard Cody talk about that? And, uh, I've not. Uh, he talks about it on a, an uh, Inside the Ropes interview, like in... You know, he starts crying because he talks about how Dusty couldn't get in the ring, but and he never wanted to be called old, as well. Mm. But um, also, the happiest person in that match is uh, John Moxley when he takes <laughs> the elbow. He looks over the moon to get out with the bionic elbow. But it's like when he... Jake put the snake on him that one time, he was meant to be knocked out, and, and he's got a grin on his face. Because how can you not? So I can understand why uh, Dustin would probably rank those other two matches maybe above the Piper match, but. Also, I can understand why this was his favourite WWF match at the time because it, he has said himself, he said it in his book and he said it in interviews, that that was the culmination of the original Goldust character for him and it kind of, it wasn't as... I mean, they went into the Ahmed thing, which was quite shocking, but it wasn't... Is that when he gives him mouth-to-mouth and Ahmed wakes up with the gold on his face? Goldust yeah. doesn't feel like he's a heel anymore at that point, though. Mm. No, I, I get what you mean. Like, um, and... At that point, it's a bit weird, or it's just Ahmed's just like, don't you dare touch me, gay man. I woke up and you kissed me. I'm so angry, I'm going to wear some hot pants and pose naked for a magazine that I will tell you is the greatest selling magazine to homosexuals ever. To see my hot pants. I can, uh, you can see why I love WWF 96. Um, <laughs> and it was also actually Piper's last uh, WWF uh, appearance. Like until, was it? Yeah, until 2003 at WrestleMania 19. Um, I didn't know that. Yeah, um, he well, he was at WCW later that year, um, but much later, like it's some months. Later. Does he not do a King of the Ring then? No. Or was that an earlier one? Uh, sure, there's a King of the Ring where he has a proper shit match against Lawler in '94. Yeah, the '94, and he was and he was in and out at that point, and he did a couple of things in '95, like nothing at all memorable. Really, except the what do you say at WrestleMania? Oh, <laughs> like, oh. um, <laughs> but he was he was doing movies at this point. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, and I think he really felt because if you look at Piper, Piper looks great yeah, in '96. He he's in he's trim. He looks like he's had plastic surgery. He hasn't. It's just because he's that. He's in just shape. tanned and he's muscular and he's lost fat off his face. There yeah. is a bit where it gets a bit weird where you kind of see his age with the light <laughs> when it zooms in. It suddenly becomes kind of like some freak is just beating up someone's dad. It is kind of weird as well that like the the slight hypocrisy of the geriatric match and then you've got and Piper. then you've got Piper with his replaced hip <laughs> and Jake in a match and, and Jake <laughs> and Bulldog who had been around for a while at that point and there's a few other names that we could get they're, into. They are rampant with hypocrisy <laughs> to this day. So we could be here all day with that. So do we have the perfect diesel interview or is that a bit later on? 
that is after the Steve Austin and Savio Vega match. Okay, so we'll get into Austin and Vega. Um, it's weird to see Steve Austin at this period in his career because, like, the calling him Stone Cold, he's wrestling like a kind of basic version of Stunning Steve, and he's carrying that like Blue Peter Project belt, and he's with, <laughs> he's with the million dollar belt. Thank you very much. And he's and he's with um he's with the million dollar man, and he's and the he million dollar man's pre- passed on his move to him, which I never think works. No, and he's had he's got that pre Austin music as well. That sort of um, the kind of pretentious like when Les Luger was being the narcissist kind of. I music. mean, it, it had a slightly serial killer vibe to it, I guess, like to a point because it had that high violin. Shriek. I like, didn't know this to be honest. It just felt kind of like similar to music that might get used for they, they Triple did, H and stuff like that. Like with the Ringmaster, they did not know what Stone Cold Steve Austin was, and I think it's safe to say that he didn't either. Like no, I he think didn't he said it was about staring at the camera and being mm. cold hearted and all that being kind of intense. thing. Yeah, but there wasn't a lot on this match to really help that character, I don't think. There really wasn't. It's <laughs> a really funny bit. Where Austin's doing something that is very not Stone Cold. Where he's doing, you know, like that wind-up hammer blow he used to do sometimes when he was in the Dangerous Alliance. It's like a hammer punch. But he, like, does a little Popeye wind-up and whacks them. Yeah. But Savio doesn't notice. And he just stands there and he just winds it round and round and round and round for ages. And it starts looking like they're doing that dance, you know, where you pretend you cast a fishing rod. And you start reeling it in. And the other person starts jumping towards you like they're hooked. And Austin's just, oh, you're going to get it. Oh, you're going to get it. Turn around and get it. It's, it's very, very funny. I... I don't think the match is really that bad, but the. Super- I actually think it's a good match. It's the just the crowd that detracts from it. Yeah, and I don't really know. I mean, Austin isn't established at this point to a WWF audience, um, and it's they've just. I mean, not that the ringmaster was any good anyway in terms of like getting over or whatever, but they've just turned him into Stone Cold Steve Austin. The match has got no build up, and, and they haven't really turned him into Stone Cold either. No. He's the ringmaster being called Stone Cold. And DiBiase's not even really being Ted DiBiase. He's not being no. the over-the-top rich. He's just there. You know, yeah. Uh, there's, there's a brilliant photograph, which is, uh, I mean, it's probably the most famous thing from the match, when uh, Tim White's knocked out and DiBiase pours the coke in his face. <laughs> brilliant. They took a picture. The coke is, like, midway out of the cup and it's just touching That's his really face. Cool. Like, it's it's brilliant. That ref bump's one of the things that kills the match, though, because it goes on for so long. It, like, he it, hardly gets touched. And he's dead much longer than any of his kayfabe suicides that he would do later. Tim White is out. He is dead from that little bump. And it, and it's not a good... It wasn't a good finish because even Vince was confused by it. He was just like, is it a DQ? Is it, yeah, is it I know. It's like, I don't know what, what has even happened there. Yeah. Um, and Lola... Vince uh, Potter buries the referee as well for saying he like, doesn't have control of the match or something like that as well. I can imagine that being the match that Vince was not happy with. On that event. The ending of it is a mess. And to be fair, that's one thing Vince famously always says that I do agree with is there's a lot of the crowd only remember the finish. Mm. And the, it's a pretty good match that the crowd are dead for and the finish is shit. Well, he's knocked out and he puts a sleeper on him. So it's just really, like... What's, and, that's and, the fucking point. And, and the, the, the shot of the belt into the back of his head, you hear the clunk as well. So yeah. it's just like you'd think that would be... Like, that's thing. enough. Yeah. Um, and Lola <laughs> says one of his classic lines on this. Uh, the rich get richer, the poor get children. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was a I, I said that to me, man, once and just smacked us in the head. <laughs> Quite rightly. because like It's you know, a terrible <laughs> thing to say. <laughs> So yeah, no, um, I think Austin, I, I think he's even talked about it. So it was a big deal for him, obviously. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, probably a big deal for Savio because that was his first mania as well. And, uh, and he'd like invented the first ever bit of LAX merch when he came <laughs> out in that uh, leather vest that was like the American flag on one side and then like the Mexican one on the other he's, side. He still which has. Which I didn't understand because he's not from Mexico. No, it was Puerto Rico, wasn't it? Was it a Puerto Rico? I can't yeah, remember. We, we the, from, but I, <laughs> no, but I, I didn't think it was a Puerto Rican flag, mind. Yeah. I'm sure it had Geek Green on it and that. He still wears it now. Like, oh, it's not the same one he wears on MLW. No. I know that much. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, during this match, we obviously get the call to Piper, and he's like, "I'm gonna make a man out of this fruitcake." And again, yeah. that sounds like you're gonna have sex with him. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, no, um, probably the the stinker of the night. Sadly, I don't know, like Nash's gear. <laughs> the, the interview afterwards, you get Mr. Perfect in one of those hideous oh, blue suits. Vince McMahon style <laughs> bloody primary colour weatherman suits. Yeah. And Kevin Nash is just like, if Just for Men sponsored Xena Warrior Princess, <laughs> that's how I imagine the look would be. <laughs> Mr. Perfect was not a good interviewer because, and then Diesel, this happened, Diesel, and then this happened, Diesel. How do he you tell, feel, Diesel? He like, tells him everything that he was going to say. <laughs> I noticed that as well. <laughs> He's like, you've just cut my promo for me. Then he cuts back to Vince and Lonnie. He's just like, so back to you, King. And uh, Vince, you can talk if you want. <laughs> <laughs> not his forte backstage interview, and I don't think. But, um, <laughs> no, definitely. And, and you've got him on your roster. And I mean, the Lloyds of London, fair enough. But like, you could have had him do something other than a one interview. You didn't backstage. have to just be a boring guy with a mic. <laughs> not doing a good interview. And Diesel, uh, for whatever reason, goes into, uh, I am the Eggman, I am the Walrus. I know, what the hell was he on? I've... I often think Kevin Nash is a questionable promo. It's either hilarious <laughs> or completely nonsensical. And, and Nash is... I mean, he's basically NWO Nash at this point. Because he's... I mean, but diesel. that's a key time for him being either hilarious or nonsensical. That is true. Yeah, you can tell he's not for the company very long at this point. No, but, uh, but Undertaker... I mean, we'll get to this in a little bit, but he wanted to make up for the Bundy match from the year before. I don't think they very much do that. So I always forget that what is coming up next... Because there's so much going on. Yeah, you you get the return of the Ultimate Warrior in a match in which he pretty much teaches Triple H everything he knows now. <laughs> <laughs> Do <you laughs> does, know? does a big entrance at WrestleMania, does a few spots, buries the other guy, finished. Do you know what <laughs> I love about... the Triple end H's of- lovely hair. It's Didn't he have really lovely hair at this point? He, I don't know why he's got like 1940s Mickey Mouse cartoon music, but he has lovely the hair. The harpsichord, yeah. <laughs> he, he, he earned the slammy for best hairdo the year later. Like he, uh, Damn, he well, it was well work. deserved. Like He had oh. lovely hair. <laughs> um, so what I love about this is yeah. Triple H gets, the, his music gets a reaction because they know Warrior's coming. Mm. And and honestly, and it's such pressy music where it's like you feel like you're playing Castle of Illusion or something. He <laughs> comes punting out. But also, yeah. the lead is this the one? Where, no, there's there's a roar before that where he oh. goes to kiss and he, he goes to kiss the lady she's come with, and she looks very surprised and <laughs> only goes at the last second. Like it was very uncomfortable. Like um, Sable looking. Oh, she's just divine. Isn't there's it? no. I mean. No matter what your opinion is on Sable, a talent level, whatever, you can see why she was hired. She's rightly named after a fur coat as well, because <laughs> she looks classy as out. Yeah, it's definitely... And, and a lot of people probably don't remember her debut. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Because they mm-hmm. remember them. Everyone talks about Warrior Squash and Triple H, but people forget that it was Sable's debut. I had forgot that... Because he always brings out a glamorous lady every time, and I had forgot this. Vince puts her over. Like, he's like, you know, she's the most beautiful one so far, and that's saying a lot. Like, you know, Because they were all beautiful. They were all like, Jesus. Proper, um, 
They all look like Actually, supermodels and all that. Yeah, yeah, they really look like it. Um, so yeah, that, so Triple H music en- ends as uh, as Sonny makes his not Sonny, not Tammy Sitch, uh, Sonny Mikat um, <laughs> makes his debut on the show. Um, they leave silence and they let the crowd build. Yeah, it's really it's, good. Oh, Anticipation is a powerful tool. Yeah, it really is, and. Um, I mean, King like puts out the rumours that he's four hundred pounds of ballyhood on the dirt sheets and stuff, like that, which, <laughs> which is great. I thought it was fantastic because then when the music hits and like there's that class, like the like fireworks silhouette. that go, oh. or the silhouette as well. It's like the bat signal that they use in WCW as well. Mm. But you get the the fireworks that go in the shape of the logo around the entranceway. That's just so cool. I know great. people have a proper downer on this. Because it's a short match and people always want everything to be an hour long and have 840 Canadian destroyers like in that. But the And I know people have a downer on it because Jim Hellwig turned out to be a bit of a selfish bell and it wasn't that good in the ring. But, not, I think people find it hilarious as well. That's Triple H's job in 30 seconds. Ah, as well, so. I found that hilarious. Like He was, he obviously like learned his lesson there. Yeah. But um, the little Tempest in me still like popped it here in the music and seeing the pyro and I still remember being a kid like... Hulk Hogan, I didn't really get until he turned heel in the NWO. So, like, the Ultimate Warrior was one of my, like, either him or Sting. They were, like, my face pain, I'm a kid, I love these guys kind of people. So I still, even as a grown man, I felt excited when that music started. A funny thing, speaking of Mason again, you know, my my young laddie, he was watching this with me, and he's seen any amounts of, like, 80s Warrior, early 90s Warrior, because we watch quite a bit of that on the network, because he really likes the Warrior. And I remember rumours at the time that the Ultimate Warrior had died and someone else was playing him. When he came out, me and Jess were sat there and Mason went, who's that? I went, it's the Ultimate Warrior. And he went, no, it's not. And I was like, whoa, I can see all those rumours got going. Like. <laughs> he even looked different from 92 Warrior, yeah. who, again, everyone thought that that Warrior wasn't May Warrior. still saw him as Warrior in that feud with Macho Man and all that. We watched the SummerSlam and the Mania Oh, missed it, actually, because even by 92, he looked, but he was off the roids at that but, point. But Mace still yeah. recognised him as the Warrior there. And when he came out at this WrestleMania, Mason was like, that's not the other Warrior. Mm. I found that really interesting. That is really interesting. 92, is when he returns at Mini 8, he's got like the Karen Bob haircut. <laughs> and he actually changes quite a lot from 92 because he goes to the singlet, his hair grows out, mm-hmm. and he dyes it, and he gets the tattoos, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. And uh, 96 Warrior for me. And I mean, well, right there, on, you can't see it, but like I've got a 96 Ultimate Warrior bandana plus a mask from 96. Both very rare things to have. But, and I like the Ultimate Warrior character, but Ultimate Warrior 96, he just looked as coolest for me. Like, he ah, just, I thought it was great. Right? Um, it's, it's nice to just forget about him coming out looking like a divvy with a hat on and all that later <laughs> on. And just, I if, of the 96 run, I would like to save just that match as if it was a one off. Mm-hmm. And then just like, kind of gloss over the rest of it. They've just made a figure of that warrior. Have they? In like a in a Mania twelve box with the entrance way in the background and it, it looks tremendous. That's pretty cool. Um and because everyone's like, why make a figure of it? And it's just like I think you had to have been watching it at the time and be as either a diehard WF fan or diehard warrior fan to get how important and how class it was to have a big name from when WF was hot return like that. I think like if anything to show the importance of the Ultimate Warrior character, forgetting anything about Jim Helwig as a person or a worker, is, like, I was a WCW kid who loved Ultimate Warrior, and that is a cool moment for me. Like, that is a thing that made me want to watch yeah. that WrestleMania, and, like, I couldn't give a shit that the match is, like, a minute. 
I think it was... I mean, this is, to me, WWF trying to combat WCW by signing big names from the past, even mm-hmm. though they're having to go to WCW for doing, doing exactly that. <laughs> yeah, as I say, hypocrisy is always the name of the game. Because um, the thing is, I'm sure if Savage or Hogan would have randomly became available in 96. Oh, they would have hopped them right in. There was rumours yeah. that uh, Hogan was going to be the leader of DX, after all, that they'd been shitting on him about. Yeah. And, and Warrior, Whether that's true or not, I don't know, but I remember hearing it at the time. Warrior was actually planned for the Rumble that year. Uh, was he? Because the Rumble was sold on, there will be names that you never thought would even show up in WWF, either again or before, because 95 was so, it was what it was, Aye. that they really had to up the that game. Was... That's why Vader, that's why Jane mm. Snake, even like Doug Gilbert or Dory Funk. And Vader you know, is one you never thought you'd see, though. A big yeah. WCW guy suddenly turning up there. That is a big one, like, they weren't lying. It is, and if you're not on the internet, yeah, okay, you get killed by Hogan and stuff like that. And I'm, I'm guessing they probably referenced on Nitro or whatever that Vader wasn't coming back and you'd gone I think so the must have like but like also like for me as a kid like yes it's shit when you say Hogan lose but because I was a kid and like Vader uh, a lot of people probably won't know this Vader's one of the reasons I'm into wrestling really like first turning on the telly when I was a kid and seeing Vader and Sting and like that was what got oh, me into wrestling are... they're just tremendous yeah. so Vader's one of my favourite wrestlers of all time to see Vader get beat by Hogan in a very un-Vader-like fashion, to me as a kid, just makes me think that shit and I'm unhappy. It doesn't make me think Vader is a rubbish character who I now don't believe will win. Yeah. If that makes sense. No, I totally get it. So the um, Triple H, uh, a few years later, when they were in Bury the Warrior mode, um, mm. said that he was the most unprofessional wrestler that he's ever worked with, which would be going some, I think. That's, well, that's probably hyperbole, but like I listened to the JR podcast about him and my God... I've never heard so much <laughs> shit get thrown on somebody. But, like, I don't know, JR had to deal with him as head of talent relations. So and he also, he also dealt with him in Mid-South In Mid-South, well. and he said yeah. he was a bell there as well. So like, Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that if you like, it's the Luger thing if you're brought in because of your look, you're going to have a big head. Mm. And you're going to feel that you deserve the huge contracts, you never lose, etc. Um, you're on dressing room and choosing what dates you wrestle. And True, all. but smart businessman, because Warrior owned his own likeness at this point, and Vince still wanted to do a deal with him, even though yeah. he probably wouldn't have got the, yeah, that the comic books and all that. He had the Warrior University thing. <laughs> Not the motivational speaker one later. Like, it was meant to be like a training camp, like a... I would he love could to teach know. you charisma, I guess, but oh, he could yeah. teach you a lot in a ring, like. He could sh- shake a rope like it's nobody's, but I would love to know who graduated or who even went to I, I was going to say, I don't imagine anyone even went. <laughs> who do you think would have went, like, looking at wrestlers now? Body- like, oh, now? Yeah. Like, I don't know, like, who who is a shit bodybuilder now? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Cal- uh, Cali, do you think he would have went to Warrior University? <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> Jesus. To quote, to quote the king... Blindly in the blind there, like... Who do you think, and I mean this in the best possible way, it was the natural successor to the Ultimate Warrior? In terms of, like, the start, the gimmick, the, the colour, the... In what company? In any company. Dead air. <laughs> it's difficult to think, because it, it's also such an off its time. It's a late 80s, early 90s gimmick. Well, oh, fucking Renegade, I guess. <laughs> well, I, I guess, guess Crow the total yeah. change... Yeah. Because then you've got a mysterious, larger-than-life makeup character. That's oh, Kane. I mean. Yeah. Kane in the mask. And I mean, because that's the thing, they all get credited for vaguely following The Undertaker's lead. into like Even like Mordecai and all them kind of people. But mm. like Warrior, like, you know, has 
a, a far-reaching influence, I think, in terms they of... They do, but WWE have always liked to control the narrative. Like It's okay. one of the things that makes it harder to enjoy some of the old stuff when you go back to it, because they've rewritten what you've watched. That's true. And, and Warrior's now a saint in WWE. Um, I mean, you're supposed to be a great family man. And all that. Like I, I remember if it was a really good feel-good moment when he went into the... Um, the Hall of Fame and like after seeing him with the little kids and playing that and then hearing that he died the next day like I cried when I heard that because I've just seen how much he meant to those kids and how much his wife absolutely loved him there's like you know it's, it's one of those things if we get a little bit serious for a moment there's a lot of people have said to my last and they're like why are you with him he's a bella and he's done this he's done that or like He's, he said this to me, he's done this to me. And she's always just like... He's nothing, nothing illegal, by the way. No, 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 no. <laughs> he's, he's, he's lovely to me and the kids. And, like, in their eyes, I am, like, the best person. And, like, that can mean a lot. Like, if everybody else hates you and your workplace and everything else, it doesn't mean shit if you're a good dad and a good husband. I've talked to many wrestlers... I would be lucky to talk to many wrestlers who have worked with the Ultimate Warrior, and a lot of them have got nice things to say about them. And maybe it's because... They, you know, personality. Omar Johnson loved Ultimate Warrior, but I can understand why. Didn't Owen Hart as well? I'm sure. I, I heard probably did. Owen Hart was saying really nice things. Warriors' last match on TV was against Owen Hart. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, it's one of those things like you know, wrestling fans generally, and I, I would say I do like have a large barometer for like sort of what I find really really offensive sort of thing you know a mm. lot of it you kind of take it on the chin because so many wrestlers have said the odd racist thing or the odd homophobic thing and they, they, you I have get... to divorce the person from the character it's the part from the actor it's like the Mel Gibson thing you really I, do, I but... love Mad Max growing up but I'm not going to stop loving <laughs> Mad Max because the actor who played Mad Max was bad to Jewish people because that means that the actor is a bad person, but it's nothing to do with the actual character Mad Max. Yeah, and 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 that that is just us speaking because like I know a lot of people feel differently about different things, but like, and and like good on them, maybe they're a better person than I am. Like I'm, I don't not going to judge people if they won't watch someone because of stuff like that. Oh, I would have like no wrestling collection. We wouldn't be talking. But about Do you know any what? As well stuff. though, with that, I find it's like, it's. You can rewatch things or have have good memories of things about a character before you knew that person was bad. Mm-hmm. So, like, if you watched loads about a character and you really liked them, and then you found out they did some terrible things, and you just think, "Well, I'm not giving them any more money. Like, I won't buy their merch. I won't buy a ticket to anything they're at. I won't buy a pay per view they're on." But like, it doesn't mean you need to throw out everything that you've got from before. And like erase the memories and that. Or at least that's the way I look at it. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Anyway, right. So yeah, the Warrior Triplet. It was great. It picked the crowd up. Um, it was a special attraction in the truest possible. So and like you say, if they'd uh, done them sparsely like that, um, it could have worked. It could have worked. Um, and I mean, the thing is, though, I'm sure he got an amazing reaction every time he ever came out. And as long as the matches were kept short, I'm sure he left with an amazing reaction as well. If I heard his music play when I was in the arena, I'd lose my shit. Even if I had some preconceived notion. Yeah. Just, dun, 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 I'd go mental. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. So, yeah, no, it, it, uh, it, 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 one of the things that makes WrestleMania 12 completely special. Because, I mean, Warriors' last Mania match, um, it was kind of... It, 12 is a pivotal Mania in terms of, like... I mean, 13 is nothing like 12. And WWF really moved on... It's still not. See, to the I point, don't like thirteen. Not, not to the point where they'd move on. Well, that's the thing. There's not a lot about Mania. Not to not like, but to, to remember basically. All I remember is 
that I quit match. Right, and Austin, yeah. Oh, and the main event being shit. <laughs> well, that, I mean, that's the, uh, you know... My... I've, I've seen it two or three times, and I literally can't remember how else about that pay-per-view. That mania for me was the first time it just felt like an extended Raw episode, basically. Yeah, it's but, just you know, bland, doesn't it? Because yeah, it... this one feels special, this, this WrestleMania. It did feel special, and it did really feel like the end of certain eras like Piper Warrior etc but also mm. the start of stuff like Austin and Michaels becoming champion and stuff like that and, I'm, I'm yeah. glad you said that because you see a further evolution of Triple H because not only does he learn to like you need a big flashy entrance and then to absolutely annihilate the person you're against at Wrestlemania but immediately afterwards for the first time that I've seen him do it he wipes out the WCW guy on his uh, debut <laughs> Mark Miro turns up and just out of nowhere, Triple H is like, no, bang, just puts him down, wipes him out. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, this is you becoming Triple H. This is the evolution, no pun intended. Definitely another forgotten thing about WrestleMania 12. With no build-up whatsoever, Mark Miro... Johnny B. turns up on telly and gets knocked out by Triple H straight away. In a nice suede uh, jacket, from what I remember, and... uh, (laughs) Just gets wiped out instantly. Yeah, Petgill can't pronounce his name. Mark, like, Miro or something. (laughs) Something like that. Um, and he's like, I have arrived. Yeah, I'm here where the competition is and stuff like that. And then Boom! <laughs> and then that's that. <laughs> but the, the, the good thing about this mania is it, it did start things as well. Like, for me, if you watch that mania, you want to watch the next night on Raw. Um, mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot to come out of it, and I think Mankind makes his but, debut. But not well. for that bit. Like, that <laughs> happened, and I was just like, oh, cool, there's Johnny B. Bad. Oh, well, there's a sign of things to come. <laughs> So yeah, um... also a legit boxer then gets knocked <laughs> out by a guy who's a Vidal Sassoon advert who just came out with Mickey Mouse music. How oh, yeah, man! <laughs> After that, After that. <laughs> we get Diesel versus The Undertaker. I really enjoyed the cheesy pantomime build for this mm-hmm. that was on those rows. Uh, I think it gets a bad rap because so many people think of Kevin Nash as just a lazy bellend, which he often isn't. <laughs> but I, I actually really like this match. I don't think Undertaker was going to allow Nash to be a lazy bellend. Yeah, this match. that's a fair It's thing. like Michaels the year before. Mike Diesel said that Michaels was legit running circles around him just to, just to make a move. And then Nash was just like, <laughs> come here. And then he kind but this one, I think, because, I mean, the build-up was incredible, but it could have been a stinker. And luckily, because Nash wasn't wrestling like 95 Diesel by this point, and Undertaker was doing more moves by this Taker point. leads it. Yeah. Taker's not just doing zombie punches. No. Um, it's a long match with a good story. There's it's that, that's two leads. things you don't often say about a Kevin Nash match. Yeah. I, I do think it's... His reputation that makes people shit on this. Like this is the first good match in the streak, really. It's the first like proper match in the streak. I know the streak isn't even a concept they've come up to. I wanted to take a moment to really appreciate the build. <laughs> this is one of my one of my favorite things that Taker does, and it is really silly. It's when he plays lights out teleport peekaboo. I know it's like a staple, but like. Diesel's like in the ring and then it's like dong lights out peekaboo I'm at the entrance dong lights out Nash has gone the entrance peekaboo I'm in the ring dong lights are out Nash is looking confused as shit light comes on bong peekaboo I'm on the screen Nash is like walking towards the screen like he's gonna fight him in Tellyland like it's the pool the guys bong peekaboo I'm in the ring again just go home Kevin you're gonna lose <laughs> So the, the, the feud started, and it made perfect sense, that um, 
Diesel lost the belt to Brett. Undertaker finally finishes his feud with Mabel and gets his own back, and uh, he says, I want to be champion. So, Monsoon makes the match, and then Diesel's like, oh, wait a minute, and then he's not happy. But he isn't a heel at this point. He says, look, I'm, I'm not... Don't have anything against The Undertaker. My problem is, is that he got made number one contender. So then they bump into each other after Diesel gets eliminated at the Rumble. Have a brawl in the entrance where it looks realistic because it's not coming down to entrance music. Taker's music stops. Obviously. And they're just punching each other. Stop, yeah. And uh, then Diesel costs Taker the match on the two and a half count and then flips him off, which was really big for WWF telly back then. Mm-hmm. And they are pretty square still at that point. That's why Goldust is so shocking. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I mean, you get Sonny in a bath and stuff like that. There was aye, definitely aye, aye. A, a, a start. I was surprised to see that month. bath shot with Sonny in the form and all. I was like, again, that felt like it was a bit risky for what WWF was at the time when they're doing bullshit like the Raw Bowl and that. Absolutely. And then you've got Sonny in the bath. Like, whoa. <laughs> it's, like, it's like it's trying to transition and just hasn't managed yet. Yeah. So, well, so, so it leads to In Your House 6. So um, Monsoon's like, right, there's going to be a rematch with Brett and Diesel, but it's going to be in a cage because outside interference and all that. So then what cages should be for. Yeah. So Taker comes through the ring, drags Diesel through the ring. That, I wanted to say use these magic powers to also <laughs> play hide and seek. It's like, what, what, what happens afterwards? Like, he's just dragged Diesel underneath. It's like, what do we do now? Okay, Kevin, now we hide under the ring. Welcome to my domain. Watch out for dust bunnies. <laughs> um, <laughs> don't, don't you love the idea when the lights are going on and out? Uh, sorry, off and on. And now she's going up to the ramp and down. I just love this idea that when it's blacked out, it's like when Cartman's running house to house to try and see the Ke- Terence and Phillips uh, <laughs> debut. <laughs> He's in the other place. (laughs) Am I good? (laughs) Trying to get back to the ring. I'd seriously hope it was like that, but being a pre-taped show, probably was about two minutes in between. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Undertaker comes, and the story is because he drags him under the ring and comes out with his pants ripped, and he's scared of it. And Brett gets out the ring. What did he do to him under the ring? (laughs) He comes out with his pants ripped, and he's frightened. Well. Uh, Bruce Pritchard and this would have been a great idea in my opinion might have killed the whole thing but like Bruce Pritchard wanted a grey streak to be on like Undertaker uh, on Diesel's hair like he's like being turned into a ghost or something that's but, like, fucking <laughs> terrible that's fucking but awful it ends, it ends with a grey <laughs> that is worse than the show me on the doll where you were touched Kevin <laughs> angle that they went with this, this, oh, well, yeah. I will drag you down to play hide and seek and you will become Cruella de Vil <laughs> Well, it ends in the great shot of Diesel's like scared to take and take us on top of the cage, pointing down at uh, yeah, it's it is cool. And Diesel, and then uh, they do the Diesel uh, nicking the Undertaker's coffin and knacking it in uh, with an axe. <laughs> I remember that actually. I really like that. He didn't realise how much hard work that was going to be, did he? He's, he takes for ages with that axe. He's literally just had a cigar before doing this, like you know. Um, and then the great angle where. Um, they, they have Diesel as a dummy, or like a dead Diesel in the coffin. Yes. But I don't know, I'm assuming they did not make it, I don't know, they might have made it. I just you should ask you, as Tom Fleming, did you have to make a <laughs> seven foot dead Diesel dummy to go in a coffin? Because that's the thing, that all those shots would just close up, so I just assumed that they would be You didn't see like moustache and side on and nose. <laughs> I, I, I thought they just pre-taped it and told Nash to lie in the box. That would seem more likely, I think, but... Who knows? Like, let's leave a bit of kayfabe. <laughs> so then, uh, and Diesel attacks Paul Bearer, which never happened. Um, you know, he, he short arm clotheslines him, and Bearer takes the bump. And, and makes know. all those great old Nana noises, like when he's pretending to be shocked. 
<laughs> I, I really think Piglet's mom probably sounded like Paul Bearer. I can just imagine that that is how. One of my favourite Paul Bearer bits in 96 is when Golda starts hitting on him. He's like pulling his tie down and then he spikes his ass and he's like, Woohoo! And then starts running around. <laughs> Makes the like old lady things. noise. Like, so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no. One of my. Nash's entrance, because uh, I don't think he was meant to do that. Because they're doing the click signs all over the place at this They point. mention the click on the commentary as well, actually. Oh, they probably do. I'm sure they do. Well, in fact, no, not with Nash. It's, sorry, with I'm jumping. It's in, it's with Michaels. Well, yeah. that's the thing. The click, fish, like in kayfabe, was Shawn Michaels' fans. But in reality, it was the backstage it was them. And in the, in the rare occasion, in, in, in Posh Triple H would do it as well. Like, Which just know, seems weird. Seems it? weird for him. So um, Nash on the way to the ring, he's, it, the camera's right there, and he's like, I'm that shit, I'm telling you. <laughs> Which I'm sure he probably got a, he got, bollock, for got a bollock for that. But uh, yeah, no, great. I love it. Like brilliant. Vince is great on commentary on this as well. I often really diss Vince for being a pretty poor commentator, but he makes this match feel really important. And he's pointing out things that I, I mean I don't know if they're true, but he's saying like this is the longest match that the Undertaker's ever had, and he he really puts over that this seems like two absolute Goliaths going at each other. Yeah, and it really works. The bit where Taker hits that absolute burst of pace for the flip lariat, it's explosive. Oh, he it could get up really and he, he did like a full flip. Back then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it looks impressive when he hits that. Yeah. it all looks really deliberate and intense. Like when he punches, you know, before one of the things, I don't really like early Undertaker because it's just like slow motion punches. You know, there's like a massive wind up and you think there's no one in the world wouldn't avoid that. Like a blind man would <laughs> well, say that punch. You could coming. do that punch on Warzone and it took that long to do that. That it was just, just not worth it. it. You Aye, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but but this time round, he like, he looks more like he's picking a spot and it's like pause, bang, big punch, pause, rather than just do a punch really, really slowly. Well, Undertaker, some of his best punches, and you'll have seen this, was King of the Ring 96 when he gets Mankind in the corner and he starts just yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. And um, like I've never seen him hammer away like that before. And there's definitely, even though he's still wearing the purple and he's still full on. He's got the marigolds on in that, hey? Um There's definitely a, a, a There's shift. an element of Mark Callis there. Mark mm-hmm. Calloway. I'll lose track of which, <laughs> which was the skyscraper and which is the real Gadji. Well, he <laughs> he said since that he was so looking forward to a match with Diesel because he knew they were mates and you knew that they could... And they could punch each other around. and pro- The choke slam looks class when Diesel probably jumps into it as well. Yeah. Did you see, like... Obviously, we know he's helping him with the jump, but it looks like he's just so strong lifting this literal giant up and whamming him down. It looks really impressive. But one one uh, quick point from the In Your House uh, 6 match. Because um, at Royal Rumble 96, Undertaker Tombstone's Brett, Nelly wins. And In Your House 6, Diesel was meant to jackknife Brett and Nelly win. Right. And Brett was like, I'm not taking the jackknife because it'll make us look weak. And then Undertaker... How does it, though? Like, I... Brett's a big lad, right? Yeah. But Kevin Nash is enormous. Like, if if he wanted to powerbomb you, you're getting powerbombed. <laughs> like, it doesn't make you look weak. You're just n- not as tall. as Kevin Nash is better at being tall than you. You're better <laughs> at wrestling than him. Well, Brett was just whinging, and then Undertaker was in the room. This is according to Nash, and he says, Motherfucker, this is Undertaker. Undertaker gets up and goes, Motherfucker, not everything is about you. We're trying to make our match mean something. So if he jackknifes you, Nelly wins, and then I cost him the match, it means more instead yeah. of just randomly coming That from is the my world. only like, frequent criticism of Bret Hart. Like, he was a fantastic performer in that, but his <laughs> sense of self and control over his own character and all that. No one, on the, no one remembers people in your house. People accuse of Hogan never, and that. Yeah. But, like, 
Bret Hart is a lot like that as well. <laughs> no, yeah, no one remembers in your house six. Never mind the finishes. No, I've, I've never think. seen it. I think he's really overestimating that anyone was watching those in your houses. Like, <laughs> <laughs> we're in your house. You're not in mine. Not on my telly. I did not watch. UK didn't get. I was going to say it wasn't, it wasn't mind games. The first you said. No, Revenge of the Taker. So April, oh, right. April night. Sorry, I've never been that country. But like, uh, no, 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 not at all. I was just thinking how much that sounds like. a Film from the pound shop. <laughs> I don't think it was ever called Revenge that. of the Taker, Return of the Giver. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it was ever called that on TV, and probably for good reason. Because it's, it's shit. It's a bit like, shit. I'm not saying the event shit. I've never seen it, it's, but like being called Revenge of the Taker is rubbish. It has Rockabilly's debut, so it's, yeah, that gives you an idea. Oh dear. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, no Undertaker Diesel, tremendous. Like the jackknife that Diesel hits as well. Like, that is the first... I, I know there's no streak at the time, but, like, the crowd are just like, oh, Undertaker's going to fucking lose There's, there's no streak, yeah. but as you say, Taker still is a, an inhuman beast who you never expect to see get beat. Yeah. Um, so, I, I, I really love that match, and, like, I can be critical of Kevin Nash in the ring quite often, but that's one of his high watermarks, really. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, his last few matches on pay-per-view, particularly, I mean, the, the Michaels match the next month, the No Holds Barred, uh, just, he went out on a high. Oh, I definitely. You know, um, well, he's a smart lad, though. That makes your stock bigger, higher. True. For when you turn up on night road, <laughs> and basically like saves the industry. Yeah, no, I agree. So yeah, uh, we we'll get on to we get to the main event. Yeah. So after after that was the the second part of the Piper match as well. Yeah, if you'd not seen this before, we, for the sake of it making sense, we talked about the Gold Dust and Piper match all in one go. But that match is actually segmented into like three or four pieces throughout the night, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And, and it, it does break up Mania quite nicely as well. It, 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 yeah, it is effective. As much as the car chase is bullshit, having various parts of the match in, interspersed well, unex- keeps the pay-per-view moving. It's an unexpected bit as well, because like I say, you didn't expect... That's why the Hogan at Mania 9 got a reaction, because you didn't expect it to happen. Like, the people in the crowd. Um, so, like, unexpected things like that feel like a bonus... And, I, th- I feel like sometimes you don't expect stuff just because it's like why would why would you do that? That's, it's like the age old Vince Russo thing, you know. It's just like they'll never see that coming. Of course they won't. They'll think no one with a fucking brain would book that. <laughs> but I don't think anyone would have been disappointed if the Piper Golders thing didn't end up in the ring. You know what I mean? Because again, no one really. But everyone oh, yeah, was yeah. thrilled with that, and then Golders flashes his ass. Aye, that's less than thrilling. That big milky pudding ass. In gigantic French knickers as Roddy Piper tosses him off in the ring. Like, Jesus Christ. So the thing is, right, Goldus had to... That costume that was dirty and knackered, he had to wear <laughs> the same costume and Piper had to put the fake blood back on his hand. Because it's like six days later or so. It? <laughs> so like, yeah, by yeah. God, you're going to get that gash looked at on your hand, mate. <laughs> you're bleeding out for a week, you're going to die. <laughs> oh, great stuff. So, yeah, so we get on to the, the main event. And the, I love the, the promo build-up for this. Um, I love the entire build for this because it's like a Rocky film. Yeah. There's all those black and white montages. There's a belter one that's on the free-for-all and on one of the rows where Bret Hart breaks down an imaginary match, which would have been better than the one you actually get, <laughs> which would have actually used the Iron Man stipulations. But I don't know, they kind of decided what we'll do is we'll do Sting versus Flair from Clash of the Champions with a happy ending. <laughs> that, that my only criticism, I'll get in early of this match, because yeah. I think this is a great match, the lack of falls hurts this match. 
Oh, okay. I, I, I know what you mean. Uh, and we will get into it that. It only one. hurts it because it's an Iron Man. Yeah. If you just make that an hour time limit match and it ends like that, then with sudden death, it's a lot more effective. There's a point where they pan out and I swear the upper tier oh, is emptying out. Get leaving, right. Yeah, it's a, it's a lot. They, they do good at hiding it, but there's a few camera angles. And like towards the end when Brett's huffing off, there's parts where you notice people have gone like... It's a lot to ask of an audience that isn't used to Iron Man matches. It is of a WWF audience. I, yeah. I feel like they did an NWA match to headline WrestleMania. And that's why, obviously, I love it. Um, the crowd, like, at the start, aren't very into it. It's, it's great. They're doing, like, loads of ground-based stuff and what I would call proper wrestling. Yeah. But it's very un-WWF, and it kind of vindicates Vince's view. You know when he says, like, the wrestling's unimportant, but the story and the finish is important? Because they have, like, this really great, long... NWA-style match that is interspersed with high spots that kind of make you excited and then they bring it back down. It's not just like a constant car crash and the crowd are just dead. They are. No, they are. But the thing is, though, because you know, unless, again, like you said, unless you had falls, you know not now it's going to happen until the end. Yeah. And it's, it, Mick Foley said this about his uh, Hell in a Cell match with Triple H, where he said... We, Evan's waiting for you to get hired off. No, well, that's the thing. He said, I am going to jump off this cage. So he was doing uh, near falls early on, no reaction, and then it clicked. He was like, oh, shit. Oh, well, I'm waiting for a big, ridiculous stunt. You're not about to get pinned in the hell in a cell without happening. <laughs> so before we get into the match, uh, the the uh, I mean, the promo, I love it, because it is a Rocky thing, and Michaels introduces Jose Lefario, and did, But Brett talks about this much later on that he says he feels the whole video package is like a rib on him because Michaels looks fucking amazing. He's like, dude, running up the steps and so. Whereas Brett has just knackered his leg and he's barely getting across this pool <laughs> and he's just sat on a rock staring out at the like the yonder the rock bit's cool though it reminded me of that photo shoot where Randy Savage is sitting staring out into no, the I, ocean I agree but he but, he, but you know spread heart again it, what he needed was someone to go motherfucker <laughs> He says it's well, I mean, I'm glad you did loads and loads of uh, promo <laughs> shots and loads of video packages on me, and you interviewed us in my dad's gym. But I'm really pissed off that Sean looks better than me. Well, he's uh, a, how are you, man? He's got Stu, like an eight year old man, tying him up as well. So uh, he's, he's, <laughs> he's got him on the ground, and some I cannot remember what world it is. And he's just like, and here's me getting killed by me dad in the weight room. And the thing is, as well, even though Brett, <laughs> but that's big, what he will have wanted. That's right. Even though Brett's big and strong, I guarantee he wouldn't have. Got out of that old. Like, nobody would. That's one of the realities. You know, like people kicking out of a pin is stupid. Yeah. Like, if you watch judo and you see someone get pinned, you're going anywhere. I used to know a lot of judo and like, he pinned me once. And like when it came down to strength, I was much stronger than him. When he pinned us, now I could tell you about it. What did you think of um, Brett suddenly burying Randy Savage? I don't remember. What um, does he say? He was like. Uh, is it just because he sits and steals his pose on the rock and no, stares at the ocean? <laughs> No, he said, um, you know, there was a time when I really looked up to Randy Savage and then uh, it got to a point when I got past Randy Savage and I was better than him and Michaels wanted to be that next person. <laughs> Sorry, but, but you didn't. To, <laughs> well, he said, Michaels, Michaels and that's the thing, Savage and I, you see, I, I, I don't get why people think that Savage was, I know we're going off on one here, but like why people think Savage was past his prime in 96, 97, he really was. 97 is one of my favourite years of Savage. That yeah. feud with DDP is the feud of the year. It's how you get used in WWF, you know what I mean? He wasn't in the main events and stuff and I think because the narrative is that Vince Somers passed his point to put him on commentary and he was and then they did videos of him looking old for ages yeah 
Um, but no, he was he was still tremendous. So um, if anything, because everyone's like, oh, the Michael Savage match, Savage was just past his prime. No, Michael's wasn't in his prime yet. Like yeah. in 92. Michael's is I mean? just literally the young lion. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no, so Brett has this subtle dig. In a way that he does about a year later when he's facing The Undertaker, he's like, oh, I've been in the ring with big men before, but like, take as uh, Sid and Diesel weren't as nimble and were shite compared to The Undertaker. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just... Stop getting yourself over at the ex- expense of others. It, it didn't need that for a Mania main event. Like, it, it, stopped, it makes you look thing. less like a face. Yeah. It's the same as when he huffs off at the end. <laughs> like, I'm in two minds about that. Like You should be pissed off that you lose the belt. Yeah. I'm glad he didn't do the Hogan show pony with Warrior thing. But I still think storming off, like that looks like, to me, Bret Hart turned heel on the way out. But maybe that was the very, very... Because he turned heel eventually... Like, maybe that was the very, very mm. sad. Were they planning that far in advance? So, mm-hmm. I don't know. Well, but again, though, if you believe Brett, and but you can't see it on camera, Michaels basically tells him to get the fuck out of the ring. He get the fuck out of my ring, he does, I. <laughs> so maybe that was, you know. Some, somebody throws the Canadian flag he does. to Brett, and Brett throws it away. And I was like, but what about the Commonwealth, the Commonwealth stable of 97? Well, the the, bit the Commonwealth back, Foundation. There's a bit backstage that you don't see on the event, uh, and they use it more to build up his bit of turn, like the next mm-hmm. year, and um, and it feels real because the camera's following Brett backstage, and Brett tells him to get out and then start yeah, the yeah, door yeah. and stuff like that. But like, remember on Wrestling with Shadows, there's a lot of that sort of stuff. There as well. And he's like, well, I can't believe anyone would cheer for Steve Austin. He beat me up in an ambulance. <laughs> That, um, like, that's what makes me think they were not on a slow build to turn him heel. I think he accidentally turned himself heel <laughs> with his own personality. Like, no one likes a whiner. It doesn't matter how incredible you are in the ring. And Bret Hart, one of the all-time greatest. Fuck me. I, just stop whining. <laughs> like, I can't cheer for you if you whinge. But it led to, the, in my opinion, the greatest heel turn ever. Like, What, the one with Austin? Because the it was double a, turn? No, no, the... Well, yes, but it wasn't just that double turn. It was everything from, like... December 96 all the way through to the eventual turn fair enough like it wasn't just a one night thing like the Hogan thing yeah um, you know, it wasn't it, a shock it wasn't a shock um, so uh, Michaels uh, Vince tried the the entrance a day before I don't know if you've seen the footage of that I heard that he tried the zipline I respect that he did that you should if you're going to ask people to do something ludicrous and you're able to try it yourself you should so Michaels wins best uh, slamming jamming entrance at the Slammy Awards the night before, and he's like, "You ain't seen nothing yet." And then you know, slamming jamming entrance. <laughs> Remember when I said how WWF were never the cool one; they were just, they were just the one with the money. <laughs> so, um, so sexy boy plays and don't hit the very oh. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a note about that. That made me laugh my dick off because if you were a first time watcher and you've no idea what Sean looks like, say like, "Oh, I'll, I'll get this WrestleMania thing." I'm sort of. Think I'm cute. I know I'm sexy. Then I'm just an elderly Mexican gentleman in a rodeo shirt walks in. No, like that's not how I imagine Shawn Michaels to look. <laughs> Did you notice as well? Every time they left the ring, they tried to euthanize Jose <laughs> for some reason. Yeah. Every time they're out the ring, he just gets collided I with. Think Brett and got out. a kick out of uh, battering Jose. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I really noticed that. And I think Sean really didn't want Jose in his corner, as we'd find out in the coming year, because he barely acknowledged him <laughs> after that night. Um, do you notice how he wasn't in the ring at all after Sean won? 
Yeah, actually, he wasn't. Yeah. I, I didn't even notice because of the amount that goes on. But yeah, he, he took this I, 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 I presume <laughs> Bret Hart killed him on one of those times he'd smashed him. Oh, God. Speaking of mental... Fa- and I swear this is the last time I'll get off topic. But like, I just because <laughs> I'm watching these Nitros from 97, Sting flies down. Aye. And I just watched the one where he somehow attaches DDP between his legs and then brings And they go up with him. It's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> like, the speed at which they were able to do that as well because I mean that couldn't have been easy but it that, didn't always work like that though there's I, plenty of times where you see Sting going fuck you, trying to take off his belt I was going to say I mean but if I was you couldn't have paid me enough <laughs> to be the dangler underneath Sting on that rope fuck that yeah <laughs> uh, so yeah anyway so Jose points to the sky and uh, Michaels makes an amazing entrance which everyone still it, remembers it, it is thing. cool it is yeah. cool Jose coming out and pointing to it and the music starting again is not good though it should have just started the music and Sean comes down. Do you think Michael should have landed in the ring and not in the crowd? <laughs> <laughs> that too. That took a little while and people were tugging at his new gear. And, and we've already like just that. heard his music play all the way through once. This is then true. we hear it again. And then we hear it again while he's stuck in the crowd and people are trying to steal his trousers. Doesn't it make Bret Hart's entrance seem shit and underwhelming? It like, does. Because the crowd don't go nearly as wild as this. Because Vince is like, get ready But what would Brett have done, though? I can imagine you pitching that to Brett and he'd be like, that's some show pony bullshit. I'm not doing that. Yeah. All I need to do is come out and hold my hands to my side. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's true. And the thing is, Michael wasn't the, Michaels wasn't the champion, so he couldn't come out last. Yeah. Um, I, also, as a kid, I still thought Bret Hart was cool as shit. Like, as an adult, when you look at it, yeah. you think, oh... That's an underwhelming entrance. To me, as a kid, Bret Hart came out and did the Bret Hart thing, that's, and I was like, "Yeah, it's Bret Hart." That suede black Sergeant Pepper's jacket with the black gear was one of my favourite looks for Bret, like the full yeah. black. With I the, always liked the all those epaulette jackets. I yeah. just thought it was so cool. Um, so the, I, I love how the match starts with like rules. Imagine that. Um, <laughs> do, do you know Gorilla coming out as well at the start? It makes it feel really important. Yeah. They introduce him as like now the president because Piper's he was only the interim president and. Um, I mean, Monty was the interim president, and like he was never the official full-on president. When did then, Jack Tunney stop being the president? Oh, June or July '95, and then Monsoon comes in August and rebooks the SummerSlam card because they realise how shit King of the Ring was. So they're like, it's like one of the fucking worst pay-per-views ever. So it was like, we'll make this match a ladder match, etc. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I well, mean, even though Diesel honestly, it'll be worth paying. Honest. <laughs> um, so. Um, that that's what they did with uh, when they did December December the D- ECW attempt at a pay per view by WWE. Uh, the next month I've still not seen that. Either. Oh, you missed off. Well, the next month they did the fatal four way ladder match where Mercury busts his face open. I saw that because that was a we're, we're sorry we'll put a good match on this event. And then they cut his face off. They cut and his, then basically cut his face off. So yes, no, they introduced Monsoon and uh, it adds a bit of uh, gravitas to the whole thing. And so does Earl. Yeah, that that speech. And Bret Hart's wink and all that is iconic. I don't know if you remember, but like at All Out, when it's Cody Rhodes and Nick Aldis, there's like a real tribute to that speech and Earl Hebner does something very similar when he's talking about how much respect he has for both of these guys and he's like, I really like you both, let's keep it clean and that sort of thing. That's really cool. That gives it a... The whole thing has a big match feel. It does, and the referee is, he's like, if I get to the count of five, I will disqualify you. Yeah. Um, which, I mean, I guess it takes away any rule-breaking, I guess. Um, and, and Only and if you're caught, though. That's true. But also, they're both faces, so nobody should be cheating anyway. <laughs> Do you think, though, that that kind of was a thing that it was lacking, then, in terms of, like... No, because when you get the big match feel to that extent, the best comparison is, like, Hogan Warrior. 
Okay. And it's still, to me, these were just the two. It made wrestling seem more important because these two faces are just the best. It, it, I think um, Michael's clothes detracted from it a little bit. Though. <laughs> I, I appreciate that he had the Sherry, hairy shag rug chest look instead of being waxed. But why would they, he look like Bill Nye dressed up as Siegfried and Roy? <laughs> <laughs> it was not a good look at all. No. If It kind of fits, I guess, if his gimmick was that he used to be in a boy band and he's gone off the rails, <laughs> like, he could, that would be it. But like... But the thing is, though, again, the the I know like, made you grateful sound... that Sean strips because he takes some of the stupid fucking clothes off. <laughs> well, it sounds crazy though, but again, though, in terms of like the colours that like some of the people wear for that event, like I can't imagine that event with Sean wearing blue instead of white, or you know, Warrior wearing green instead of the ah, blue. Yeah, and no, stuff. Yeah. It all feels right for for that event, um, and you've got law. Uh, <laughs> I've got to say. Lawler and Vince are great on this match. Yeah, they are. Like, Lawler especially at the part where they're doing the high spots. And Lawler's like... He's analysing. He like, does. And he's like, you don't need to do that stupid shit. Because he's like being like all petulant, like I'm a heel and I do none of that. Mm-hmm. And he's like trying to belittle it and doing what like a lot of people basically do when they comment on modern wrestling now. And he's just moaning about the unnecessary risks. And... Well, there's, there's a bit where Michael's head scissors Brett to the floor and it obviously doesn't hurt Brett. Like, and you know, you can see, but if it was left to Vince... Is that the one over like... the top? No, it was just through the ropes. It was oh, just, right. It was I, just... I knew there was one where he head scissors him to the outside. It was just, yeah, it was just a minor bump, but like Lola's like, it's more embarrassing than anything else. Like, he's coming at it from the point of view of shock, a wrestler, like, sort of critiquing how. Like they really should do know. that more with ex wrestlers on commentary. Yeah, because so if it was left of it, and, and Lola's got some great lines, it's like Helen Hart went into an antique shop and they kept her. Like, he's still, there's still that bit of colour in there that. The match you can't just call it with two straight men, um, otherwise it would have. I would have been so turgid. Yeah, um, and there is conversation between them both, but like I say, it's it's almost as sports like as Vince and Lola are ever going to get on commentary. Um, it's a very sporty presentation, though. Yeah. As well, so like that definitely works. You know, there's a part where Brett like he does like an arm drag. And then he leg drops him on the arm and transitions it into an arm bar. Yeah. Like stuff like that's great. Sean does, you know, the Arn Anderson hammerlock slam. Yeah. And then like straight after that gets him up and he does the shoulder breaker as well. And I'm like, this is good. Like yeah. this is what you need more of in wrestling. I, I do love uh, Tony Chimble taking the switch of music. <laughs> I mean, it, it, the match <laughs> absolutely did not need it. But no, like, it really I just, didn't. But it, it added... It, it added to the chaos to, though. It added to the chaos, yeah. Um, and... and there's so many replays of it though. It almost makes the match seem more boring than it was because the match has been going on for a while with no replays and then we get like five replays <laughs> of the timekeeper accidentally getting kicked in the head. There's, there's a great bit of like uh, Earl Hebner's not asking... Brett's got a hold on Michaels and Earl Hebner's not asking them anything and Brett's like, it's not a staring contest! Like, I remember that. <laughs> that. <laughs> I liked some of that kind of trash talk and stuff there as well. But that, basically ask him. that does build up throughout the match because they are friends at the start, do you know what I mean? It's like when he does a little wink in that. Yeah, right? it is important, the title match in every main event at Mania, but like they start to rile each other up and 
the first 15 minutes, for me, it actually is exactly what should be as pure of a wrestling match. Also, why would you hire yourself full in when you've got to go for an hour? Yeah. Like, no matter what, this isn't a time limit. This is a guaranteed hour. Yeah. So, if you launch it, you know, like, later on, he does, like, he does a standing Hurricane Runner, he does a crossbody to the outside. There's a few great flashy things. If they're in the first five minutes, like, that would ruin the match. Yeah. And then the thing is, though, if it was real, you just wouldn't anyway. Yeah, it's because why would you do this stupid shit? You'd yeah. just hit him and strangle him. Yeah. <laughs> um, or do your biggest moves. Yeah. Like, like jumping off the top rope. In reality, if, like, if wrestling was real, you would go at it the way the Ultimate Warrior did. Yeah. You would just come out and paste the other guy <laughs> up in him. <laughs> but again, though, it added to the strategy of it. There were trading holes and stuff like that. And then when one got the advantage, that's when he could lace him with a punch. And when the mm. punches start, it means something. When the punches start, it feels like they're starting to fall out as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, it's uh, People say it's overrated, and I really don't... In WWF land, I don't think it can possibly overrate it, because there's so few long, technical, good matches that are a mixture of great technique and great story at WrestleMania. Well, I was going to say main events at WrestleMania, certainly. That, that's what I mean, sorry. Uh, like, for, you... you a lot of those world of manias that you love, like I enjoy them watching them, but it gets to the main event and I couldn't give a shit. Like no, I usually finished by then. Yeah. Whereas like this. Well, the show steal has already happened, you know, and it could be argued that Undertaker and Diesel stole the show, but actually, I still think Bret and Michaels. That's still the best match. Still the, the best match. Um, and people are starting to take sides, as well. And uh, as a match goes on again, though, but that's more that's more sporting again. Yeah. Like, I've been to a couple of boxing events. I'm knee boxing expert but because I'm the expert I usually go into it not really giving a shit about either guy I just want to see a good fight and then the actual story of the fight itself is what makes me choose who I want to win yeah. like there's no reason why wrestling shouldn't be like that as well no, I agree I agree and, and like I said that are comedic uh, like when Brett whips Michaels over the rope and he lands right on Jose Lafari mm. and Lorna pisses himself and I think do you know what only bit takes me out of it like that it's just, and this is probably just a Tempest Pet hate. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate slingshots. Okay. Slingshots, like, that is some old-fashioned, cartoony, stupid <laughs> shit. <laughs> it is quite simple. Like, a lot of what they do, you know, like the bits I described, like the arm transitions, like, some of that's ahead of its time. Like, it's psychology to work the arm, but the three-hole transition like that feels like something you'd see, like, Zack Sabre Jr. do. So, to then come out yeah. of that you're suddenly like, oh yeah it is still 1996 because that's like okay now I'm going to get you by your feet I'm going to make you do a handstand <laughs> and I'm going to fall over and you're going to jump and headbutt a cushion and I'm like I right that takes me out of it like I hate 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 slingshots one of my favourite moves in the entire match is that uh, Michaels was great at this because he, he did it on a lot of big events where Brett back body drops him in the co- he's in the corner oh, and I, Michaels does a, almost a full it's terrifying yeah they, they shouldn't have showed the replay you, oh, don't, does you, it you don't catch all of it at first right. and he goes over the top and your heart and your mouth you just think Jesus Christ he's just killed him and like the commentators put it over loads the match continues a little bit where people are looking and seeing if he's alright then they show you a replay and you see that it's a well taken bump and I'm like ah I'd rather like WWE always want to be cleaner that's something WCW would have been like Craig Leathers would have left that and be like let it look like he died Yeah, you know what I mean we'll just run they've done that. it a few times I mean one that springs to mind is uh, Taker and Triple H in Mania 17 where Taker choked I mean we talked about this on a previous show but Taker chokes on Triple H off the little structure bit mm-hmm. and it looks amazing because he goes out a shot 
Yeah. But they use just one camera angle on a replay too many, and you see he lands on a big frigging cushion. And then it spoils <laughs> it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, no, a, a great match. Um, what there, else? There was something I wanted to ask you about it, actually. Yeah. There's a part where Sean does a fisherman suplex, and they call it the perfect plex. And then there's another part where Brett basically does Yoko's bum drop in the corner. And, well, they don't call it a bum drop, but they call it like the, 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 the banzai drop or whatever. Okay. Why did they do that? And were either of them doing that move, those moves, very often at the time? I don't remember Brett doing a bum drop. Like, um, he, get, he, he gets him over he in the corner. The and he It might be onto his knee, but he still he gets him in the corner and he jumps up, bounces on the second rope and comes down on him. And either King or Vince, I think, mentions, like... Uh, taking a leaf out of Yoko Zuna's book there or something. That's interesting. And so it's interesting to see people doing each other people's moves. Michaels would regularly pay homage to Mr. Perfect, especially after he died. Um, did he? He did the. Do you know when Perfect takes the buckle and he jumps on the first turnbuckle and yeah. hits the spin? Yeah. Like Michaels has done that since. Um, oh, like when he holds the top rope and gets his feet kicked and backflips. <laughs> <laughs> like they, I mean, they went back years as well, and you can tell there was a, a proper camaraderie there with them um, and they always had amazing matches as well um, but yeah no, I, I guess it's just a case of you know yeah, add new add new interesting moves in the repertoire for this because I guess if it was real and you knew you were going an hour you have to try and outsmart your opponent you've got to dig deep yeah yeah like do something that they wouldn't expect and um, you know I, I, I guess that, that would be the reason um, that makes sense then thank you there's a bit where what they're doing is good, but Vince kind of spoils it, which is a rare moment in this because Vince's commentary is really good. But he essentially calls the spots just before they're going to happen. Right. Like, there's a bit where Sean's not really doing out to s- suggest he's about to try and hit the super kick, and Vince just goes, Sweet chin music coming up! And then Sean doesn't do it. And then there's like a few Irish whip reversals and then a duck under and then he goes for the sweet chin music. Right. And I was like, uh, can you just call what you see? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I get that, yeah. Um... Other than that, the only other thing I really noticed during that match is there is a woman in a blue sequin dress who looks exactly like Judy Martin in the front row taking <laughs> photos all the time. And she's got like a full-on blue sequin ball gown she on. She loves when Goldust got stripped. I remember her. Like, she <laughs> this is the it. only like, time I know She's a proper that. tourist, I think. Like, um... In full evening gown in the front row. She looks just like Judy Martin. That's amazing. Also in the audience in the front row is uh, Freddie Blassie and Stu Hart. Yes, they do. There's a really funny bit with that afterwards as well. <laughs> is it the King line? Or... No, no, no. Oh, it's just Sean's doing the celebration and fuck me, the post-match celebration lasts forever. I wanted to get into that. Okay, well, but, we'll come yeah. back to that. But during that, Sean's going over and everyone's like, yay, Sean's the guy, Sean's the man. And he goes over to shake Brett, um, Stu's hand and Stu just looks down like, Fuck off. <laughs> he just will not shake his hand. I mean, he might even say fuck off, I can't remember. But he looks down and he definitely says something and Sean's like, okay. That's and then he moves along. I'm sure he like tussles Brett's kid's hair as well. Or yes, something. that's at the same part. <laughs> and Stu's like, absolutely fuck off. Did you hear the bit on uh, Brett's Hall of Fame speech where like he was shouting at his kid who was in, I think it's Blade, and Blade goes upstairs in a huff and uh, he comes back down with Sean's fucking glove in the hand. <laughs> and Brett's like, what are you? coming us and he's like I'm in the click <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah no, I, it, Piper made the rule that there had to be a winner 
Um, so Vince and Gorilla comes out and says that shit. Well, yeah, and Vince. Uh, I mean, Vince on commentary also has to explain as well that that's why the draw can't. You know, but if you notice, Brett gets a big cheer for being like, "Oh, this is a draw," so Brett is still the champion. There and, are a lot of people who are still happy for Brett to keep the belt, and I, th- I think. Sean Stripper and this and all that will be off-putting us on people in the crowd who want a more serious presentation. I agree, I agree. And the, the thing is, if they'd have went off air with that and then either they, they could just shake hands as they normally do, or if Sean just fucking kicks him or so, you know what I mean? Or Brett beats him up and they go off the air that way. The handshake would have worked because they did a proper Japanese-style match, but that's a flat fart for a WrestleMania ending as a draw and a handshake. Jesus Christ. I... I Maybe I think we watched this for an hour and it ended nil nil in the shook hands. <laughs> Imagine that. You just saw the FA Cup this today and it was a turgid one nil win for City. Like if that had ended nil nil and the captains just shook hands and like, oh well, I guess neither of us get the cup. Let's fuck off. That's true. <laughs> I've, I've got to say though, as a, a, a bigger Bret Hart fan going into the event than Michaels, because mm. Bret was one of my first favorite wrestlers and stuff like that. I was. He was one of the ones I watched WWF for. I, I was gutted for him that he had to get back there because even Bret's just like, oh, fuck like, sake. Just, keep, just keep the belt. Run, run. But, but, it's like when you're waiting for the final whistle to blow. <laughs> <laughs> but what I love about it is because then he's pissed off and then that's when he's. Because I mean, the last 30 seconds when he gets him in the sharpshooter and the crowd are really into that. That's what I mean about it being the Rick and. Staying much, yeah, and they even end on that, but it's like, no, no, not again. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, Brett, like, he turns as heel as he's gonna get in this, right? And he starts really going after Mike. He's like, I'm mm. fucking sure, and then you know, um, and you don't know how long this is gonna go on for as well, and it doesn't last that long, really. Um, but the post match that I meant takes forever. I did not mean the sudden death, no, no, I, I meant I, the celebration. I know, I know, and then the thing is, you know, Michael's wings gets the pop, but. I think since then it has been well overblown the reaction that Michaels gets. It's ridiculous it's how not, long they go on with that. He doesn't get the reaction that you think, and like I say, the crowd are not giving a shit by the end of it. Mm. Like, and it just you hear his music start like five times, and then you get that they still go to the like stock Aitken and Waterman music that you love that. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> And just show clips of like gold dust and lingerie and stuff like that. <laughs> it makes you think whether they went home early or whether they really wanted to ram Michael's winning down people's throats and be like, this is the new chap, you know. Because I mean, they didn't when Brett won it, but Brett, when he won it at Mania 10, got a legit great reaction. One of my favourite reactions of all time when he pinned Yoko. Aye. Like the crowd just. That's one of my other favourite manias, like. The, the crowd just aren't that into. Michaels win the battle and Michaels does not do Michaels doesn't work as a baby face back then because he's a dick yeah like Michaels after he finds God and all that you can buy going as a baby face because he acts like a nice guy at this moment he's just a cocky show off wanker like they haven't really done anything to change him from the character he was as a heel apart from making him not cheat well as as soon as he wins the match as well like he does this fake crying at the belt because it's definitely fake. I say, say so, I say, he might lose his smile, but he found it on the back <laughs> of the fucking belt. And the thing is, though, apart from his posing, and he maybe applauded the audience, he mm. doesn't do much to pander to the audience in a good way. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's just like where Hogan. He's like, this is my end, moment. It's like Martin McCutcheon. This is my moment. <laughs> at the end, Hogan would be like, "You guys, no, you guys. He would grab no, the flag who's the loudest? You guys give me the strength." Sean's just like, "Fuck you all. This is my belt. My smile is on this belt." And that music does get 
And it's a great theme, but like... But after a while, you're listening to a guy who can't sing talk about himself over, like, two chords. <laughs> and Vince, like, I, I think that... The only thing they could have done is had people come to the ring and lift him above you. But again, I don't think Michaels would have wanted that. But, and it I don't been. think many people would have wanted to lift him. No, that's, that's true. <laughs> um, so they're going to powerbomb him. I don't know. I think, you know, it's certainly... Because don't get me wrong, again, love 96. I love... Just about everything about this event, including Michael's winning it and stuff like that. Yeah, I love but, this event. Um, it is what Lawler does a good job because he's just like now he's the champion. He's the he's the hunted. You know he's now the target. And yeah, everyone's gonna yeah. want a shot at him and stuff. You're like on the top now. The only way is down. Yeah, because you can't end on even mania. You can't end on like this is happy ever after sort of thing you have to give people a reason to want to watch Michaels as champion and to yeah, be because honest, otherwise it's the end of a season yeah Sean won good done no more and and let's face it the, unless there was going to be a Brett rematch there wasn't much I mean Diesel turned heel obviously so uh, but people didn't know because Diesel just lost Undertaker so why should he get title shot and was Diesel was already heel on that Undertaker he, match wasn't he, he just turned I was going to say my god because I was sure he was on a, he turned heel on a house show he turned on Michaels but um, so Diesel could have got involved in that match. Maybe the way Brett uh, Brett was the best thing about the Take a Sid match at Mania Thirteen because he's bitter and he's angry and he's yeah, like, getting yeah. involved and stuff like that, and it gets a good reaction. So I mean, I don't know. I it is one of those weird. The, the only thing I would change is just cut the broadcast afterwards. Then yeah, well there was no pyro or anything. There was... It's just it's just ages of that song. Yeah. <laughs> Um, the boyhood. I mean, Vince, the classic line. The boyhood dream. And I don't really care about his dream because he seems like a bit of a cocky knobhead. He seems like when he was a boy, I would have probably punched him in the face. <laughs> and the thing is, though, he never talked about that boyhood dream until like a week before me. Right, you know, until like... he's randomly like standing at the Alamo <laughs> with Jose Lothario. <laughs> <laughs> and again, though, no Jose in the ring. You could have had a beautiful Rocky Mick moment. You know yeah, what I mean? you could like, have. But, like I, I think Jose just fucking va- went to vapor or something. You know, he's just, just gone. He's just gone. <laughs> 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 Which again, like, speaks for the entire relationship that him and Jose have on screen until he has to, you know, when he gets hit by the camera, just to lose the belt because he didn't want to lose clean to sit. Mm-hmm. So there had to be an angle behind us. But uh, on. <laughs> so yeah, no, I love this bit. But I, it's a very, very, very watchable WrestleMania. There's no when you consider the gimmicks etc. in '96 at this time, and this is before Salvatore Sinclair and stuff. And I'm not holding anything against those gimmicks, but they don't belong on WrestleMania. This and also, is, those those are good wrestlers with poor gimmicks. Yeah, like it's no, no, it's no knock on the the guys themselves. Yeah, and uh, but this to me is literally the showcase of their biggest stars. And it like you know it, it is kind of like a touristy mania again because like, might be know. why it's my favorite. Like I'm not a WWF fan, mm-hmm. so when I watch this, there's people I care about on WWF, and all of the matches are pretty much pretty good. Yeah, or at least all do what they set out to do. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. So anyway, right? So uh, we have questions. We well, we have question. It's <laughs> the one that we can both an- answer. Okay. This is from Paul Barkley. He said, as a fan of bad movies. All hail Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> I do also occasionally enjoy a really bad wrestling match. So with that in mind, what is the worst match you can recall ever seeing? For me, it's either Hogan vs. Warrior 2 or Sting vs. Vampiro in a Human Torch match. <laughs> go on, you go first. Go. Um, 
It's if if we're going back to that kind of era, it's hard to argue with the Hogan and Warrior one because it is tripe. Mm. Um, I have seen worse matches in modern day. I think we should stick to just the That's big, the, the big a companies. Lot of to cover here. Like the oh, yeah. the worst match I've ever seen was Seth Rollins versus the Fiend in a Hell in a Cell where oh. they're in a dark room or something like that because everything's bright red. And then they play a game of scrap heap challenge and bury him in loads of chairs. And then the referee's like, that's too many chairs. This Hell in a Cell ends in disqualification. <laughs> and he's like, you hit one of those chairs with a hammer. That's that's possibly the worst match I've ever seen. Or that like Sharia series, Rowdy and Saudi, whatever the fuck they wanted to call it, where Goldberg and The Undertaker oh. put on the worst. Like, that is one of... That's worse than Hogan versus Warrior. That that is so shit. Yeah, and and the thing, it, oh, I mean, we'd go into that, but I mean, the, the heat was definitely a problem. The fact that Goldberg had a Go- good match, like a, long, had a, you a know, match. Of, yeah, yeah. Uh, Taker wasn't ring ready. Taker and, was fat. Know. Goldberg was concussed. They both nearly died. Jeez, <laughs> I felt for. Is it Mike Kyoda who's refereeing that? I thought you were in the ring with an old guy who's gonna die <laughs> in Saudi Arabia. So maybe that. But what I would like to give a special point to. Yeah. For worst finish, if we go where Vince says all they care about is the finish. Yeah. I want to say the event might have been called payback, and I don't want to try and hazard a guess of the year but it'll be some time around the turn of the last decade yeah there is a match where like big show has been getting told he has a small penis every week by stephanie mcmahon for some reason and he's crying and generally you just think what the fuck is this but like he like (laughs) comes out and then he like interferes in the match and knocks one guy out and then he knocks the referee out and then he like calls for another referee, and then he knocks the referee out. And then the other wrestler, who I think is Orton's, like, "What's going on?" And then he knocks him out as well. And I was just waiting for Big Show to punch himself in the face, knock himself out as well, because that's the worst finish to a pay per view I've seen. Oh god, that's that's around the time when Triple H and Steph, because Big Show to save his job, but he was the hired hitman that had to punch him, and he punched Dusty one time. And Triple H had to... Oh, Dusty fell forward because he couldn't take a bump at that point. Right. But that's when Dusty was... Uh, he did the talk to the hand to Stephanie and he got in like, legit trouble for that. Because um, <laughs> Stephanie's gone off on one. And Stephanie day. speaks to no hands! <laughs> <laughs> the, um, the, that held the cell, though. Uh, what's funny about that is uh, X-Pac's watching it on their official watch-along on YouTube. And he's like, what is this shit? You can't do that. Like, he's <laughs> legit like, you know, like, I'm sorry, I may get in trouble for this, but like, fuck. It was like, fucking trite. That's, if, from a booking standpoint, that's the worst match still, I've ever seen. When you do a TV angle, specifically for TV, in front of a live audience. In a hell in a cell. In a hell in a cell, yeah. With red lights on. <laughs> what the fuck? So yeah, no, those, those would be up there for me. But I mean, Rumble 15... The, the whole match after Daniel Bryan got eliminated and then Big Sean Kane gingerly <laughs> put all the other favourites over the top rope just there you go <laughs> <laughs> lifting them like a pen into a bloody playpen <laughs> oh brilliant so um, but oh God, I mean potentially because it's the worst blow off match to one of my favourite feuds the Brett Backlund Mania 11 match with Pyro as a ref um, what do you say what do you say oh good lord so yeah but I mean oh, Worst match. I think. They, Did you know that's probably how they wrote the Rob Van Dam song? Just hearing Piper go, What do you say? 
dun, 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 give it a riff and that's a song that see we can make shite into gold because <laughs> and, and I know everyone laughs at uh, Goldberg Lesnar at Mania 20 because I mean that is not great until a, month, a, month a lot of it is the crowd pooing on it yeah and, and like Law like Michael Cole at Mania 27 which is the longest match of the night um, oh, yeah, oh yeah and you can imagine how you know um, but for me probably one of the more hilariously bad matches and it is on the network and I'm going to show you it is uh, it's, can't wait it's, it doesn't go long it's, uh, <laughs> it's Tony Atlas against Ted Orsini oh I've fucking seen it <laughs> <laughs> and it ends in a double count out or something and it's just like it's alright the audience are counted out by having left <laughs> and Gorilla Monsoon who will like apologise for anything WWF because he's a proper company man it's like there's no excuse for <laughs> heel Ted RCD against Tony Atlas so hilariously bad match that might be the and I encourage everyone to like, set your sights really low but like and then it'll be lower <laughs> this is so bad like so yeah um, so yeah no Minia 12 uh, Ted RCD wasn't quite as great a technical wizard as say Van Hammer <laughs> <laughs> Oh, um, and and let's face it, there weren't any good Ted RCD matches. So this being no. the worst is uh, saying. Oh, P- PM News, <laughs> PM News in a scaffold match. Oh my God, how did I forget that? The, like, the flare wasn't there. This PM News just lies on a scaffold, basically. Yo, baby, yo, I'm gonna shit my pants. <laughs> he, he probably did shit his pants. Oh, that was good when Bash Night One, wasn't it? Aye. So that was big the fat that, bastard. Up on, the on one the that Flair was meant to be in the main event, and then they were like, no. No, no, he's, he's not. He's not even not on the event. He's went with the competition. <laughs> so we know what'll uh, show you. He's a Papa John's, not Pizza Hut. Because I mean, the Diesel Mabel match gets unfair criticism, but it was short. So and it unfair wasn't criticism. Shut up. Unfair <laughs> criticism. No, it was six minutes long, and it wasn't boring. You know what I mean? It was terrible and they didn't do much and Mabel nearly kills them. It was shit, but you didn't have long enough to get bored. <laughs> There's five stars if ever you heard it. <laughs> so yeah, anyway, before I dig myself any uh, deeper of a hole with matches that I don't think are as bad as everyone thinks they are. Um, yeah. I enjoyed Minya. T- I continue to enjoy Minya Twelve. I'll probably watch it about ten times this week. So. I mean, I, I I didn't enjoy it that much. I don't enjoy anything that much. <laughs> but yes, I did enjoy it a lot. And if you want to ask us another question, obviously, at Jordy Cowboy Al, if you want an offensive response. Yeah. Um, and at uh, at Turn Triple on Instagram, where I, I announce guests and show obscure bits of merchandise stuff like that, and uh, at Grapple Arcade on Twitter as well. And we do appreciate you uh, getting in touch. So, yeah, I think that's... We've, we've done well. We've done well for time. Um, we've, 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 two hours again, so thank you for still being with us. We took less than the actual run of the show, whereas with the shotgun Saturday nights, I think you could have watched every shotgun Saturday night. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, um, and uh, next uh, subject to be determined, we will all let you know. And uh, Tempest, I think, was very generous in... Uh, choosing Mania 12 for this time so I think we're going to go for something that is right down 10% well, what time. I wanted to go for that then because very soon we will have what has been renamed for copyright reasons Blood and Guts uh, a war games match and I would quite like to do a show where we look at various war games and talk about the good the bad 
the moronic. <laughs> so yeah, I would like war games for the good, our the next. bad, the moronic, the Sid. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, no, and then it gives me an excuse to watch some NXT, which I don't feel like I've watched nearly enough of. So I, I've not seen a lot of NXT. I've seen the first of those war games, so I'm sure there were more. I think there was a one that the ladies did as well, so that would be cool. The so war games with no blood. Or... Uh, with any I don't know. I haven't seen them. Someone had an idea that for this war games uh, on uh, on dynamite that they're going to do to have JJ do the coin flip. To oh, that would be fun. <laughs> I don't see why not because JJ is going to be. I mean, it reminds me of the Cage of Death from Ring of Honor when they were facing CZW and they got JJ there to. What a great angle! Know. We'll cover that sometime. Oh, so good! <laughs> and honestly, this may surprise me, but one of my favorite matches of all time. Um, <laughs> it, it does surprise me, but it is great. I mean, it's very tons of angles in it. It's got a post-match angle, which is it good makes story. Lots sense. of go. That's all yeah. fun. No commentary as well. Um, I don't remember that. Yeah, uh, particularly, re- and I love this. ROHC because it's real because it was about the fans hating each other me too but let's let's save that for another day and not bust the load now (laughs) right so yeah uh, thank you again and we will see you all next week